Chapter 21 No, Pam, Harleen stopped her with a hand to her chest. Give him a second, okay? How about you and Jolene go watch a show, she suggested. What's that show you've been wanting mom to watch with you, Joe? Oh. Mom, you're in it. Joe perked up. Pam didn't move her gaze from Harleen, who she was silently pleading with. Oh really? Yeah, Joe was grinning a bit too broadly, trying in her own way to defuse the situation. Sept, they only call you Ivy, and you're just in high school so sometimes you mess up with your powers. Harley shook her head, and nodded towards the living room, communicating once more that's where her wife would be most helpful at this juncture. After one more miserable look, Pamela turned around to face Jolene. Is that so? Yeah. Joe repeated, a bit more excited this time as she stood up and grabbed her mom's hand, dragging her out of the dining room. Harleen stood there for a moment after they'd left, waiting until she heard the TV flick on to move. Once it did, she shoved her hands deep into the pockets of her sweatshirt and started up the stairs to the master bedroom. She leaned into Anthony's door as she passed it, but couldn't hear anything, so she continued on, opening the top drawer of her dresser and pulling her own version of Pam's shoebox out. Though hers wasn't a shoebox, it was her photo albums. Clutching them to her chest, she shut her bedroom door behind her and knocked on Anthony's. He didn't answer after the first round, so she tried again. Go away. Aunt, it's me. You know, your stupid human mother. Harleen took his second non-answer as an invitation and let herself in. Anthony was laying on his bed with his knees pulled up to his chest. His skin was still green, which wasn't exactly unusual at this point in the evening. He slept in that shade, as it was the most comfortable, but Harleen suspected that he was currently too upset to focus on his pigment. So even if he wanted to look more human at this moment, he couldn't. Hey, Harley said, you're pretty pissed, huh? He growled something incoherent and turned to face away from her. Harleen pursed her lips, determining how best to move forward. Anthony, can I show you something? She again took his non-answer as an invitation and sat down gingerly on his bed behind him. Silently flipping open the cover of her more well-worn album, she extracted a picture from it, reaching her arm over to hold it in front of his face. That's me, she told him. And that's my ma, and, that's my pop, and that little guy is my brother. It took a moment for Anthony to react, but slowly he reached his hand up and took the picture from her, gazing at it but still refusing to face her. Pop's in jail now, Harleen told him. Has been for a while. Seventy years old and still an asshole, she chuckled. It was clear Anthony was doing math as he tapped his fingers on the bed sheet, and when he turned to her, it was with a look of disgust. You know that makes your wife eighteen years older than your dad, right? Yeah, Harley sighed, laying her head down next to his on the pillow. Pretty gross, right? The grossest thing I ever heard. Harley chuckled. God, you know what's almost equally gross? Nothing? Anthony guessed. Ooh, a comedian, Harley laughed. No, do you know how I met your mom? No. He said, plainly, handing the picture back to her. Well, I was a doctor at an insane asylum. A psychiatrist. So you treated mental illnesses? That's right, Harleen nodded. At Arkham Asylum. 
What? Anthony turned to face her more fully, his eyes wide. You worked at Arkham? That's where all of Batman's rogues get put. Emicham, Harley confirmed. I worked at Arkham, and Mom lived there. What? Yep, the blonde nodded. Poison Ivy used to be one of Batman's most powerful rogues. Maybe even the most powerful, but don't tell her that, it'll go straight to her head. So you were. I was her doctor, Harleen finished his sentence so that he wouldn't have to. Mama. Anthony was sitting up fully now. That is so messed up. Pfft, don't I know it, Harleen agreed. I felt so stupid, being in love with my patient. And I think she felt pretty stupid too, for falling for a human. She adjusted herself so that Anthony could lay his head back down, but when he did it was to stare at the ceiling. I thought I had lived a pretty normal life, up until I got to college and started studying psychology. That's when I realized nothing about my life had been normal. My dad was in and out of prison my whole childhood, I spent all day every day in a gymnasium, I had no friends, I knew my brother would turn out an unambitious loser while my must sorta thought I would, but none of that really mattered to me because I had a dream, and I was doing everything in my power to achieve it. What was it? Anthony asked, his interest piqued. Oh, well I was going to win a gold medal, of course, Harley laughed. As a gymnast. Why didn't you? Anthony murmured. Were you not good enough? I was plenty good enough, she reached down to hold his hand, and, begrudgingly, he allowed it. But I let someone convince me that I wasn't. She turned her gaze to the ceiling as well. It was a long time before somebody told me I was good enough. Was it mom? He asked, a bit cynically. Harley smiled. Oh my gosh, you must be, like, a genius or something. He flicked her in the arm, but even without looking at him she could tell he was smirking. It's what Pam would be doing, after all. When the most beautiful, most intelligent person you've ever met tells you that you're pretty and that you're smart, I think it's a good idea to listen. I was 26 years old, fresh out of medical school, like this adorable little blonde baby. I don't think you can call yourself adorable. Anthony chided. No? Harley challenged, propping herself up on her elbow so that she could flip through the open photo album. How do you like them apples? Anthony rolled onto his side to look at the picture she was gesturing to so forcefully, and a full smile finally cracked his humorless expression. You wore glasses? Only to impress people, the blonde confessed. I like your chipmunk cheeks, he admitted, having reined in his smile. Now you've got. He brushed the backs of his knuckles gently over Harley's face. Cheekbones. Well that's because I'm a very old woman now, she laughed. And old women who work out a lot usually have those. You don't seem old to me, mama, Anthony assured her. You don't even look old. Harleen held his hand against her face. Neither does mom, right? The boy didn't answer, just dropped his gaze. Why did you have us? he mumbled, like he was ashamed to be asking the question, or ashamed that he felt the need to ask it. Well. Harleen smiled, wistfully. I was very, very happy. We'd been married for like ten years at that point and, we'd just had this really strange experience where we got a window into what our relationship could have been, and I just felt really happy with my life choices, really happy I'd chosen mom, and suddenly, 
I was ready. I wanted a baby, I wanted to be a mom. I wanted Pam to get to be a mom. Did she want to? Anthony wondered. Not at first, no. Harley admitted. She was afraid that someday we would have a night like tonight where we'd have to tell you what she really was. She told me I was being selfish for asking her to not only watch me die, but our kids as well. She said it was unfair of me to introduce another thing to love just for it to be taken away like everything else. Anthony flipped back over to face the wall. What did you say? Please, Harley giggled. And I knew she would say yes because I asked her to, and she loved me too much to feel like she disappointed me somehow. But why did she have to make us like this? Unfortunately, Harley began with a sigh. Her name is Poison Ivy for a reason. A completely human baby wouldn't have been able to survive around her, and they'd be too weak for the vaccine she gave me. So the only way we could have a baby that was ours, or even just mine, was this. And Anthony, she scooted up closer behind him. You are perfect. From the day you were born, you were absolutely flawless. The most beautiful baby I'd ever seen. And holy crap was mom in love with you. Two peas in a pod, you two, from day one. Mama, Anthony groaned. Your puns are lame. Harley laughed. That's actually just an idiom, but I'll remember that, for future use, she said, menacingly. And again, she could tell he was smiling. Aunt, you're right to be angry, and you're right to think this is unfair. It is. Harley told him. But there is nothing wrong with you. And for all the crap mom talks about humans, she's still a hybrid. She's still Pamela Isley, she's still married to me and she still has you and Joe. We're a family, and growing up as a family is always hard, especially when you have to leave one person behind. But. We're all going to do our best, okay? I can promise you that every day, mom and I will try our best. Anthony sniffed, his knees once again tucked into his chest, and his face still turned away. Harley watched as he raised his sleeve to wipe his tears away. I don't want to leave mom behind. Harley wrapped an arm around his chest, craning her neck to kiss him on the cheek. Me neither. Pam's eyes were narrowed critically at the screen. So we're all enrolled in an academy specifically for female superheroes? Jolene was snuggled into her chest, her medal still hanging around her neck, yup, pretty much. Why am I dressed like that? Pam asked. And why is my voice so high? My voice was never that high. Well maybe they didn't know that, Joe giggled, twisting her fingers in the buttons of her mom's shirt. Ridiculous portrayal, Pam grumbled. And why are Diana and Barbara so close? That doesn't make any sense, I don't think they've ever spoken one-on-one. -on -one. Funny that she's Barbara Gordon just like Auntie Babs, huh? Yes, very funny. Pam acknowledged, although she wasn't exactly listening, far more focused on her character's appearance. I've literally never worn my hair like that. And what are those shoes? Joe laughed, pausing it before sitting up to look at her. Mom, you're ruining the show. I was trying to put us in a happy mood. Pam bit her lip apologetically and smoothed down the flyaways protesting Joe's pigtails. I'll try to stop. Thank you. Joe said with an exaggerated sigh, 
snuggling back down against her mom's chest. She's my favorite, she pointed at the screen as some blonde in an argyle sweater pranced in. Who the hell is? I'm Harley Quinn. Oh, Jesus, Pam buried her face in her hands. She's a goofball, Joe giggled. I like how she breaks stuff and does gymnastics. They all do gymnastics, Pam pointed out. Yeah, but, she's funny, Joe smiled. You know. Pam adjusted their positions slightly, wrapping her arms around her daughter's shoulders. I've met Harley Quinn before. The real one, well, a version of the real one. Shut up. Joe twisted to look up at her again. No, it's true, Pam chuckled. She was a bit more grown up than that version, but yeah. I've met her. What was she like? Joe wondered. Did she call you, Red, like in the show? Mmm, no, I don't think so. Pam pressed a kiss to the girl's forehead. She had her own Ivy to call, Red, just like I have my own Harley. Joe furrowed her brow, what do you mean? That's, a complicated conversation, Pam said. But I will say that your mother is an excellent gymnast, thinks she's very funny, and breaks stuff literally all the time. Joe narrowed her green eyes, inadvertently recreating the expression Pam had made while watching herself on screen. Mama's not a superhero, though. Well, she's not that superhero, Pam acknowledged. Are you just saying confusing things to confuse me tonight? Pam smiled, silly girl, why else would I say confusing things? Jolene's eyes were nearly closed. She was observing her mother so critically now, but slowly, her face cracked into her more typical grin. I'm glad you'll be young forever, she finally decided. Oh. Pam gently slid the hair ties out of the girl's strawberry blonde curls, running her fingers through them so her hair fell just past her shoulder. Preparing Jolene for bed was easier when she was distracted. Why's that? Because, maybe, when I'm older than you, I'll get to say weird stuff that confuses you instead of me. Pam laughed. Maybe. Chapter 22 Pamela awoke with a start, although she wasn't completely sure why. It felt like she'd had a troubling dream or had forgotten something, maybe. But her mind was blank as her eyes blinked open to survey the darkened bedroom. No memories of a dream, she wasn't due at the watchtower until the afternoon and the sun hadn't even risen yet. But Harleen was home. She could hear her breathing next to her. Pamela knew she hadn't been asleep long, as she hadn't started mumbling yet. Harleen was usually a talkative sleeper, nearly as active in rest as she was in operation. Pam rolled over to face her, careful not to jostle the bed too much as she did so. The blonde lay in her sports bra with just the sheet pulled up across her abdomen. Pam sighed when she saw Harley had neglected to take her hair out of her messy ponytail, and, yep. Her suspicions were confirmed when she gently pulled the sheet down off the other woman's body to find she was wearing her spandex shorts. Meaning she'd just stripped off her Batwoman costume and collapsed into bed. And, that's exactly what it smelled like had happened too. It wasn't Harley's odor that Pamela disliked, really, it was the smell of Gotham City she preferred Harley to shower off before she got into bed. Like grease and rust and the fires the homeless lit on the streets. The city was better now than it ever had been. Cleaner, its parks manicured, its trees and window baskets vibrant, but it was still dirty. Always would be. 
Pamela knew she'd never escape it, well, not in Harleen's lifetime, anyway. And the places Batwoman was sent were nothing like the wide-open spaces Poison Ivy was now in charge of. No, these were holes in the ground. Wet, dank hovels where humans were trafficked and drugs were funneled. Pam brushed the matted bangs out of Harley's eyes, trailing her finger deliberately down the woman's cheek, watching her hand as it went. She scooted lower on the bed as her hand continued past her collarbone, over the swell of her breasts, down over the subtle bumps of her ribcage. There, she gingerly laid her head, letting her fingers continue down to circle Harley's navel and brush back up along the lines of her abdominal muscles. Mmm. Pam felt Harley's lungs expand beneath her head. What are you doing? She mumbled, sleepily. Pam answered by pressing a lazy kiss to her diaphragm. Looking at you. God, why? Harley's voice was a horse with sleep as she stretched. Because. Pamela traced the blonde's hip bones with her index finger. I don't want to forget a single line, or divot, protrusion. Harleen giggled when Pam's finger dipped below the waistband of her spandex, not moving any further, just ghosting along her skin. Pam smiled when Harley reached out and threaded her fingers in her red hair. I didn't mean to wake you. It's all right, the blonde said with a sigh, I thought we could make breakfast together. Remind the kids we're normal. Normal. Pam repeated, letting that be the only sound in the room for a moment before she turned her head to face Harley. Is that what we are? Harleen smirked. It's a relative term. Mmm. Pam smiled, her attention drifting back down to Harley's torso. You know. Harley twirled a lock of red hair around her finger. I was sorta liking the direction that hand was taking before. Oh, I'm sure you were, Pam acknowledged, her lips pressed against her skin. But I've still got all your scars to catalog. Blah. Harleen sat up onto her elbows. Why would you want to remember those? Pam laughed, Harleen, if you despise them so thoroughly, why won't you let me get rid of them? The blonde frowned. Because I like them. They're part of me. Pamela rolled her eyes with all the affection she could muster. You've just answered your own question. She pressed herself up onto her knees, and crawled on all fours over her wife as her long hair curtained them. I want to remember you for what you actually were. Is that too much to ask? Harley laced her hands under Pam's arms, holding onto her shoulders and gently pulling her down until they lay chest to chest, nose to nose. Boo-hoo, she said before planting a chaste kiss on the lips above her. Reality sucks. It's why I hate indie films. Fine, Pam smirked, kissing her back. Then how should I remember you? Smoking hot was Harley's immediate answer. With big tits and a nice ass. Pam laughed, kissing her longer this time. If I wanted all that, I'd just look in the mirror. Harley scoffed. What a charming narcissist you are. No, just, keep me at 26, alright? Don't worry. She's in here, the redhead smiled, tapping her temple. As is 30-year-old you, and 40-year-old you, and 45-year-old you. And 49-year-old me? Harley guessed. Now we're doing 49-year-old me? Pam nodded silently above her, nuzzling their noses together as she did, the smile slowly fading from her lips.
Harley looked at her for a moment, just took her in for a quiet second before bringing both hands up to cup her face. Let's go make breakfast. Harl, Pam chuckled. The sun's not even up yet. We'll wake the kids. The blonde grinned. Good. We let those fuckers sleep way too much anyway. We could eat, and then maybe go on a hike or something before you've got a report to the tower. Pam narrowed her eyes suspiciously. You hate nature. Harley looked offended, Pamela, that's absolutely ridiculous. I immerse myself in nature every day, and night. She added an exaggerated wink to the last part. Mmm, well. You certainly won't be immersing yourself in nature, this morning, Pam rolled off of her. I'm afraid those privileges have been revoked. Ah, there's my party pooper, Harley grinned, reaching over to the bedside table for her phone before sinking back into the pillows. Missed ya, babe. Pam grunted in response, accidentally grabbing one of Harleen's blouses from the closet and attempting to button it over her chest. She stared down at herself for a moment, confused, before breathing a sigh of relief at her mistake and exchanging it for one of her own. When she glanced back at the bed, Harley was still snuggled into the comforters. I thought we were making breakfast. We are. Harley confirmed. But breakfast-making requires a breakfast-making playlist. I am making that playlist. Whatever you say. Pam pulled on a pair of black leggings and started out of the bedroom, walking down the stairs and into the kitchen towards the fridge, hoping they had the ingredients for pancakes. She was setting things on the counter when she heard Harley approaching the stairs, and not slowly, either. Pam turned just in time to see her wife vault over the banister on the second landing. She tucked into a roll as she landed, turning once head over heels before popping back up to her feet, her arms spread out wide. Tada! You're a fucking idiot. Harley laughed, walking over to the speaker she kept in the cabinet under the record player and plugging her phone in. Toss me that. She instructed Pam. Toss you what? That. Harley pointed to the wooden mixing spoon Pam was planning on making the pancake batter with. You're going to lip sync, aren't you? Pam realized, disappointed. Please don't lip sync. How about you just hand me the microphone and we'll see where that takes us. It's a spoon, Pam grumbled. Despite her obvious protest, Pam handed the spoon to a vine she'd summoned from the plant near the couch, which in turn handed it to Harley. Pam crossed her arms as the music began, looking deeply unimpressed when her wife immediately began lip-syncing. How dare you say that my behavior is unacceptable slash so condescending unnecessarily critical. Hey, how about you take it down a notch? I have the tendency of getting very physical slash so watch your step cuz if I deal need a miracle. I have beat you in literally countless physical altercations. You bleed me dry and make me wonder why I'm even here. Yeah, I think that's enough. Pam directed her vine to snatch the spoon away. Could you get started on the eggs, please? Harley wrinkled her nose and stuck her tongue out to articulate her protest to the request, but went to the fridge nonetheless and grabbed the carton of eggs. You know what your problem is, Red? I'm condescending and unnecessarily critical. Pretty much, Harley placed a frying pan on the stove. I think maybe Adam Levine should be our marriage counselor. Pam measured out her flour, dumping it carefully into the bowl. 
I very much doubt Mr. Levine has his master's degree. Such little faith, Harley asked. I'm sure most people forget you have a PhD. Yes, but I actually have my PhD. Pam argued. Mr. Levine's degree is completely fabricated and, why are we still talking about this? Harley shrugged, smiling as she cracked, what do you think? Six. I'm not eating. Six eggs into her bowl and scrambled them with a fork. Are you still planning to go off the planet next week? Just a day trip, Pam assured her, adding the buttermilk to the nearly finished batter. John found a cluster of embryophytes he's having trouble identifying. Ah, uh, yes, well, in that case, Harley pretended to understand, although from Pam's smirk, it was clear she wasn't exactly selling it. They continued their cooking in a comfortable silence until the song changed. Pam sighed, really, Harley? What? Harley laughed. Not a Bon Jovi fan? It's my life, she sang along. It's now or never slash I ain't gonna live forever. These song choices feel very pointed, Pam mumbled, pouring a measured scoop of batter onto the hot skillet. Harley rolled her eyes and changed the song. Not everything has a deeper meaning, Red. Pam scoffed. Says the psychiatrist. She was just about to flip the pancakes when the next song arrived at the chorus. I don't know who's gonna kiss you when I'm gone. So I'm gonna love you now like it's all I have. Pam set the spatula down on the counter, turning to the other woman. Why are you doing this? I know it'll kill me when it's over, Harley mumbled along with the music. I don't want to think about it, I want you to love me now. Pam sighed, coming up behind the blonde and wrapping her arms around her middle. So you're just being a bitch, then? Harley shrugged as she stirred the eggs. Usually, Harleen wasn't all that into nonverbal communication, so to Pam that response meant the was done with the conversation uncomfortable with an emotion she was having trouble expressing. So Pam kissed her neck and smiled against her ear. I think a hike sounds fantastic. Harley cleared her throat. Yeah? Absolutely, Pam affirmed, nodding against her. And, can I be honest? Yeah, yeah, I need to take a shower. I know. Harley grumbled. Pam chuckled warmly, well sure, but that's not what I was going to say. Harley turned around in her arms. If you say some over-the-top romantic shit right now I'm going to punch you. Okay, Selena, Pam mocked, otherwise ignoring her warning and lifting her up onto the counter. 49-year-old you is my favorite one. Harley seemed to be fighting the urge to roll her eyes. Why? Pam grinned enjoying this as their more typical dynamic was the inverse. Because she's the one I have in front of me. The one I get to touch. She. Trailed her hands lightly down Harley's arms, leaning forward as she did so. And the one I get to kiss. She made good on that promise, softly pressing their lips together. Harleen was smiling almost shyly when they broke apart. 88 years old and still putting the moves on me. I'm impressed. If I remember correctly, Pam's hands bracketed Harley's hips on the counter. That was a promise I made you on our wedding night. That I would forever be smooth as Puddin. Harley furrowed her brow, did I make you any promises? 
other than to have and hold all that trash. Pam laughed, not that I recall, although it's wonderful to know you refer to our marriage vows as trash. Not as if we've built an entire life and family on those promises or anything. What? Harley pretended to be alarmed. Is that what marriage is? I assumed it was just a contract that assured me sex I didn't have to work for. Pam pushed away from the counter. You're batting 1,000 this morning. Just, firing on all cylinders, really. She flipped the pancakes. Hey. Jolene was suddenly standing in the kitchen, and both women jumped as her high, childish voice cut through the air. How come Mama gets to sit on the counter but I don't? Because Mama is a delinquent and a terrible influence, Pam stated, plainly, turning the burner under the eggs off and moving the pancakes off the stove and onto a serving plate. Uh-oh, Joe giggled. Do you get to ground Mama because you can be her wife and her grandma? Jolene. Pam turned around with a sigh, there are 38 years between your mother and I, just as there are 38 years between Anthony and your mother. Her words puttered out towards the end of her sentence as realization dawned on all three of their faces. Oh, God. Was all Harley could muster as her face scrunched up into something nearing disgust. Babe, let's not ever phrase it like that again, okay? Pam nodded silently, turning back to the stove and Joe sat down at the kitchen island in some sort of daze. The kitchen was quiet aside from the sizzle of pancake batter on the pan until Joe spoke up. Why are we awake so early? Hike, Harley slid off the counter. We're gonna go on a hike before mom has to go to work. I thought she didn't work anymore. No, her other job. Wordlessly and ignoring Harley and Joe's conversation, Pam dropped her spatula again and cupped Harley's jaw in her hands, kissing her in a way that was meaningful but also appropriate for public consumption. She nodded when she pulled away, as if the kiss had confirmed or reassured her of something, and then she moved back in front of the stove, mumbling, good, as she went. Joe raised a curious eyebrow, but ultimately couldn't keep the smile off her face as she saw Harley making the same expression. Moms are weird. Harleen, she's going to trip. Pam called down the trail as Harley chased Joe around the bend. Why must everything be an athletic competition with them? Pam asked, although she was speaking to herself, really, even with Anthony following close behind. Anthony understood that, and so when he spoke it was with a private grievance of his own. I hate hiking. Pamela did not extend him the same courtesy, stopping in her tracks and addressing him with a look of utter puzzlement. I'm sorry. I don't like hiking, he repeated after brief deliberation on whether or not he should brave it. He knocked her with his shoulder as he passed her by, continuing down the trail. She stood there for a moment, too stunned to move. Anthony, I, she shook it off, starting at nearly a jog behind him. I don't understand. This is our true domain. Where home isn't just a feeling, but a biological inclination. No, it's your biological inclination. He stabbed his stick into a rotting log. For me it's just an auditorium with a concert that I didn't buy tickets for. He left the stick there, standing upright in the log. I don't know these guys and they're not on their best behavior. Pam furrowed her brow at his back, trying to understand the true basis of his complaint like Harley would. Oh. You feel pulled between two identities, but stuck in the middle somehow.
He shoved his hands deep into the pockets of his jeans, I guess, and kicked a rock. Pamela peered up ahead in search of her wife, knowing Harley would probably know exactly how to handle this conversation. But she was long gone. Preoccupied. So Pam picked up her pace a bit until she was walking in stride with her son. I killed people. Anthony stopped. What? When I felt what you are feeling, Pam clarified. I killed people. Bad people. People who I thought deserved to die. But yes, that was my coping mechanism for emotional powerlessness. Anthony shook his head and began walking again. Some role models you are. Oh, I'm not. Pam assured him. Never claimed to be. It's the media that pushes that image of me. I'm not suggesting that you follow in my footsteps in that regard, I'm just saying what you're feeling is completely valid and difficult to deal with. Believe me, I know. Mmm, he grunted. Although, by the slightly unfocused look in his eye, Pam could tell he was letting that sink in. Do you wish you still killed people? Pam cleared her throat, buying herself a moment of consideration. I hold no moral or ethical objection to killing humans, but if we were to look at life as a weighted scale, a series of sums and balances, I can state with absolute confidence that my love of you all far outweighs my hatred for the rest. Why? Anthony asked. Why do you even love us? You're a plant. You don't have to. Pam took another moment to formulate a response, listening to the clapping of their footsteps against the packed dirt. When she did speak, her voice was quiet. We fertilized for embryos during our first attempt to have a child. You were the 4th, our only hope for a boy. She fought the desire to put an arm around his shoulders. I once told your mother you were like a weed who couldn't be stopped, couldn't be dug out. You wanted to be here and so you are. Thus is the case with my humanity. I've tried countless times to remove it from my psyche, from my physiology. To let it wilt and die within me giving way to something far less complex. But it won't. No matter what I do, I will always be human to a certain degree. I wanted to have a family that loved me, but it needed to be on my terms. So I have you. Therein lies the unflappable nature of humanity, an overriding principle that contradicts our better judgment more often than not. Anthony didn't respond right away. He kept his gaze aimed at the path only a few feet in front of his shoes. Why do you talk like that? What do you mean? He kicked at a clump of dirt. Like you're always giving a keynote address. Pam laughed. And what a poor address that would be. She glanced over at him and found his lips remained in a hard line. He truly wanted an answer. Do the flowers speak to you with words? Pam asked. No, not exactly. He told her. Pam nodded, it's more an intricate feeling, yes? Almost as if you've been tasked with translating the petals of a flower as it's just bloomed. Yeah. Well when I communicate using the English language, I attempt to convey that same phenomena. She explained. It will never truly translate, but I try my best. All right, Anthony shrugged. Comes off a bit pretentious, is all. Anthony, Pam laughed, you're wearing a wool, turtleneck sweater on a hike. And here, a smile finally did crack his lips. Touché. 
They watched as Jolene's head popped up from behind a boulder a ways up the path. She squealed when Harleen came into view, and they could see the wide grin on the woman's face as she chased her daughter in a circle around the front of the rock. Anthony picked up a pebble from the trail and threw it off the side into the gorge. Why do you love Ma? Pam looked at him curiously. Love. Well why do you love her? Doesn't matter. He said. I didn't choose her. I'm asking why you did. Mmm. Pam turned those words over in her mind. I think Harleen Quinzel is quite possibly the most human person I've ever met. I don't want to sound too romantic, but perhaps there truly is a een to every young and your mother is mine. Perhaps it's that simple. The boy looked up at her like he was deciding whether or not to accept that answer. Perhaps. He granted. Anthony, darling. Pam came to a complete stop and took his hands in her own, facing him straight on. Did you ever, for one moment, doubt that I loved you, or that I loved Mama until last night? He couldn't hold the intense sincerity of her gaze, so he looked down at his feet and shook his head. Nothing has changed, she told him. Not a thing. I was every bit as immortal on Thursday as I am today, the only difference is that you know now. I'm here to answer any question that might arise about our physiologies, but what's most important for you to understand is that you are my son and I am your mother. And that comes before and after every obstacle we've faced so far and every obstacle we'll face from this point forward. Got it? Anthony scuffed his sneaker on the ground, his hands still buried deep in his pockets. Yeah, I got it. Pam smiled at that. Howelia Aquatilis, Anthony murmured. Come again? Howelia Aquatilis, he repeated, pointing this time to a white flower just outside of the trail markers. Pam turned to look, and a beaming smile soon spread downwards from her eyes. Anthony, that's an incredible find. They're endangered, Anne. Not native to this region. The boy finished for her. Yeah, I know. Pam turned her smile towards the flower. Hello, precious. What in the world are you doing this far east? Batwoman took a kick to the stomach and another to the chest, the second of the two forcing her backwards on her heels. She couldn't regain her balance, so she fell, catching the edge of the building with one hand to save her from becoming street pizza. She hung there as Batgirl picked up where she'd left off. You're a nightmare, Talia. And I don't mean that in a cool I'm your worst nightmare kind of way. Batwoman yelled up onto the roof. And your kid's a dick. She heard a grunt that she didn't recognize as Batgirl's, meaning the younger woman had landed a solid blow. With some renewed strength, the blonde grabbed the ledge with her other hand too and pulled herself upwards, swinging back up onto the roof with a kick in the air for momentum. Honestly, Talia, she breathed, watching as Batgirl got the woman into a headlock. All we're asking is for you to not be an asshole for like two seconds. You'd like that, wouldn't you? Talia choked. Let her go. Batwoman instructed. Batgirl looked at her curiously. Let her go, the blonde repeated. Bruce can deal with her. Batgirl eventually obeyed, but her reluctance was clear. Talia gasped for air once she was free, her eyes quickly narrowing at the ginger. While Batgirl's attention was removed, she kicked her, hard, in the groin and flipped both women off as she jumped down off the backside of the roof.
Harleen spat in the direction she left and looked to her teammate. You good? Yeah, Batgirl's answer was curt. Glad you didn't die. Same to you, Batwoman agreed in what had become their ritual. I'm getting too old for this shit. Aren't we all? Barbara let out a pained chuckle. Maybe to be Batgirl, Harleen acknowledged. But you've still got a few good years on ya, and I think you'd look pretty alright in red. Barbara looked from the yellow emblem on her chest to the red one on the other woman's. Are you serious? Harleen rested her hands on her hips. Fifty's gotta be a respectable retirement age, right? Well, I, I guess. Barbara had never really thought about her mentor retiring. She knew the products Pamela equipped her with gave her a false appearance of youth, Barbara supposed she'd just been lulled into that image of her. Just. Batwoman sighed. You ever get fed up with having to chase Bruce's jilted lovers around all night? Literally all the time. Barbara confirmed. But that's a relatively small portion of the job. Yes, Harleen acknowledged. You're right, but, do you think you would be? Ready, I mean. For this. She indicated her suit. Of course. Barbara crossed her arms over her chest, attempting not to feel emotional at what Harleen was actually asking her. I prefer you in it, though. Batwoman smiled. Your charm will unlock many doors, my Padawan. Chapter 23 Ivy stared at her suit in its glass case. She had been for a few minutes now. Staring, that is. Put your suit on, Pamela. She told herself. Now. And as if time had been unfrozen, her hand jetted out to the control panel on the case, releasing the garment from its chamber. She supposed this was what sleep deprivation felt like. How awful. Ivy stripped her blazer off and unzipped her dress, helping the juniper green fabric to slide to the floor. Pushing it past her lower abdomen, her fingers brushed over something odd. She pulled her hands back immediately in surprise and stared down at herself. Bumps. Raised ridges etched into her stomach, seemingly bridging her hip bones. Cautiously, she returned her hand to her stomach, curiously tracing the faint spiral patterns with her index finger. Hey. Supergirl's voice startled her but she managed not to spin around in surprise, instead keeping her body facing away from the girl who was now standing relatively close behind her. Good morning, Kara. She hurriedly pushed her dress down the rest of the way and grabbed for her suit, pulling it on as quickly as possible. And a good morning to you, Pamela. Even without facing her, Ivy could tell the girl was miming tipping her cap. She wanted to call her an idiot, but her wife would have probably done the same thing. Are you excited for the mission? Ivy sighed internally when she remembered she couldn't zip her suit by herself. I'm always excited to discover a new species, Kara, she ventured, looking over her shoulder at her. Would you be a doll, Anne? No problem. The blonde grinned, taking a strong hold of her zipper and closing up the back of Ivy's suit. Can I just say I really like teal? Ivy turned around fully now, ready to move to the next room. You are absolutely free to voice your opinion, even if it's incorrect. Kara giggled. If you say so, Red. Ivy. It's poison Ivy. Pam corrected before giving the girl one more look over and walking through the hallway into the equipment room. Off planet. 
she told Red Tornado, who was manning the front desk. What sector? He asked. 0098, she told him. He nodded, entering something into his keypad, and soon after a sleek gray and black space suit was brought out on what was essentially an upscale dry cleaning rack. She acknowledged him cordially with a subtle bob of the head and pulled that suit over her Earth uniform, taking one more opportunity to run her fingers over the bizarre pattern she'd found protruding from the usually smooth surface of her skin before strapping herself into the equipment completely. Ivy and Kara were the last to board the ship. Martian Manhunter was already in the captain's chair while Jessica Cruz and Booster Gold were buckled into two of the safety seats in the back. Mera. Booster immediately exclaimed upon Ivy's arrival. Can't believe Arthur let you out of the house. Ivy chose to ignore him for the moment, taking a seat on the opposite wall and fastening the safety straps in an X pattern over her chest. Is everyone accounted for? John asked. Looks like it. Jessica reported. They were up in the air soon after, riding in silence as John maneuvered them through the more turbulent altitudes. Ivy watched out the window as the earth disappeared behind them. It all looked so wonderful from this perspective. So healthy. She wondered if possible tourists to her planet would be able to tell just how thoroughly human beings had ruined it if they only beheld it from this vantage point. You bring your mermaid tail? Booster's voice yanked Ivy's mind back into the ship. She stared at him silently for a moment, just blinking at him once or twice before deciding to respond. What good would Mara do in space, she asked. I'm not her, and I'm certain that's not how her anatomy works. Although I suppose I should respect your commitment to that joke. You're right. My bad. The man actually looked ashamed of himself for a moment. Ivy smiled subtly and allowed her focus to drift back out the window. Murph? Murph? Her attention was forced back into Booster. Murph. He repeated, cupping his hands around his mouth to amplify his voice. What are you, why? Ivy demanded. Because I'm a redhead in a space suit. She didn't even leave Earth in that movie. Booster Gold had an uncanny talent for pissing her off. What? His face scrunched up in what seemed to be genuine confusion. Of course she did. She ditched Matt Damon and then had to come back and save her damsel. Those are two different films, you imbecile. Ivy retorted. And what about my demeanor or expression signals to you that I would like to participate in a conversation? No one likes you, Booster. I'm no exception. Jessica was watching this exchange with mild fascination while Kara was staring resolutely ahead of her, determined to keep her eyes trained on an obscure spot on the wall rather than feel like she was in any way participating in an argument. Hey! It was hard for Ivy to tell if he was actually offended. Beetle likes me just fine, as a matter of fact. Yeah, and how does his dick taste? Even Ivy was a bit surprised at the response she'd chosen. Usually she thought about those things, but, well, she decided to stand by it. Booster was grinning now, though. Looking like every frat boy Pamela had ever hated. Boo, you're fun. He said with a chuckle. Lucky for you I like my feisty women. Well I like my women, women. Ivy quipped. And I've been married since before you discovered your dick. Jessica laughed, 
both at Ivy's response and at the fact that Kara had turned beet red. John! Booster shouted, sounding purposefully childish. Pamela is bullying me. Perhaps you should leave women alone when they ask you to, John calmly suggested. Ivy watched Booster as he sunk back into his seat, that stupid grin still on his face, and silently fantasized about all the ways she could break him with her vines. Strangling, she could stab him if she used a sharp enough root, maybe ragdoll him around, slam him into the pavement a few times, and as these thoughts filled her psyche, her wrist began to hurt. It started dull at first, but sharpened as her thoughts intensified. She looked down into her lap where the wrist in question lay over top of her other hand. And as Ivy's thoughts moved from murder to the pain she was feeling, it slowly receded. She turned her hand over to examine her gloved palm and clenched it into a fist before straightening her fingers again. No cramping. Ivy shook her head, closing her hand into a fist again and glancing around the hold at her colleagues, who all seemed to be caught up in their own thoughts. Good. They landed roughly an hour later after not much further conversation. John was first down the ramp, followed by Ivy and then Booster, Supergirl and Jessica. The meadow is about a mile up the way, John informed them. Jessica nodded in some unspoken understanding and activated her ring, encapsulating them in a green force field that carried them over the planet's smooth terrain. Remind me why we brought the plant lady? Booster directed his question at John. Besides being able to communicate with plant life, Dr. Isley here has a PhD in the subject, the Green Martian informed him. You know the diplomas hanging up on adult film sets aren't actually real, right, John? Booster laughed. The pain in Ivy's wrist roared back with a vengeance as her anger flared, and she had to bite her lip to muffle her cry. What's your PhD in? Booster asked, cleavage? Botanical engineering, Ivy muttered through clenched teeth, steadying herself on Kara's shoulder. The blonde looked at her strangely, but didn't request that she move her hand. Are you all right? She asked. Yes, fantastic, was Ivy's strangled response. Kara seemed like she wanted to ask a follow-up, but the bubble touched the ground and then disappeared back into Jessica's ring. Ivy was immediately hit with a smell so overwhelming it delivered her a splitting headache. She was forced to drop to her knees, her hands squeezing the sides of her helmet. Ivy? It seemed like Kara's voice was echoing from all around her, like they were surrounded by cement and the closer the walls pressed, the faster her voice traveled. And suddenly, she knew the smell. She was all too familiar with that particular pungent odor. Jessica, back in the get back in the leave, Ivy was having a difficult time articulating her instructions, but Jessica still seemed to somehow understand and powered up her ring once more, closing the party, minus Ivy, back into her force field. The redhead remained kneeling on the ground, her head clutched between her hands, her jaw tight, her teeth gritted. In a clumsy motion, she fumbled for the latch on her helmet and opened it, taking a deep breath as she did, trying to filter the alien air as quickly as possible, just as she would a foreign poison. What is it, Pamela? John asked, his voice sounding off within her head. Is the air toxic? Pheromones, Ivy gasped. Don't, you can't breathe the air. Okay, uh, you good, though? Booster asked. Can I take care of your wife if you don't make it? Ivy mustered the concentration to flip him off, 
breathing in through her nose and out through her mouth until she could once again form a coherent thought. They're stronger than the ones I expel. She coughed. More potent. Then why'd you take your helmet off, dumbass? Was Booster's next question. I'm strengthening my immunity via exposure, Ivy growled. And you're welcome. So what would they do to us? Jessica asked. Shakily, Ivy drew herself up to her feet. Impair and disrupt cognitive ability. So? Jessica followed up. Booster's cognitive ability is already impaired. There is only one human being with the ability to resist Poison Ivy's toxins, and that person was delivered the vaccine by Poison Ivy herself, John said. So if Poison Ivy is standing before you, telling you this atmosphere is more toxic than she, I suggest you heed that warning. Ivy turned away from them before Jessica could provide a reaction. The meadow stretched all the way to the horizon line, as far as Ivy could see. And the sun was not yellow like the one they enjoyed on Earth, this one beat down with a faint red light, like one of the heat lamps Ivy utilized in her greenhouse. The meadow itself was absolutely smooth, not a single bump or dip in its surface, although it was colored an eerie shade of shamrock green. John, have you made inroads with the inhabitants yet? She asked. As far as we can tell, this planet is currently uninhabited. He answered. Her headache was beginning to dissipate, the fog clearing from her mind and her breathing pattern returning to somewhat normal, although she was consuming oxygen slightly faster than was typical. She squinted at the ground just below her feet. Taking a careful step forward, she found the terrain was springy. It gave beneath her feet, but didn't let her sink. Ivy leaned over to pick up her helmet, surveying the scene in front of her for another moment before smiling slyly. Oh, you're wrong, John. She called back over her shoulder. Seems this planet is rather densely populated, actually. She looked to see all of her colleagues wearing perplexed expressions. Jessica. Ivy cooed, a look of disconcerting calm falling over her features. I'm going to need to go back there. Why? With a sigh, Ivy turned to face the meadow once more, and after taking one more deep breath, she tossed her helmet into the air. It only traveled about five feet before the ground came alive, and the fanged green head of what looked like one of Ivy's modified pitcher plants broke from the surface and snatched it out of the air. We don't seem to be standing on the ground. Things happened rather quickly after that. A strong hand was on Ivy's shoulder, yanking her backwards, and they were moving through the air, identical plants rising to snap at their bubble as it flew. When the ship appeared ahead of them, it seemed to be capsizing, like a boat on the ocean, being pulled down onto what was truly the planet's surface. Holy fuck, Booster said, his jaw dropping as one of the larger plants opened its maw and attempted to chew through the right wing of the ship. Ivy closed her eyes, tuning him and the others out. Mentally closing herself off from the chaos around them. We mean you no harm. We meant no disturbance. We won't return. We shall leave you to your utopia. The plant retracted and Jessica landed the bubble on the ramp, Manhunter flying immediately to the cockpit to start the engines. When another plant reached out for Booster's leg, Ivy shouted, enough, and its head cowered away, diving below the canvas of green once more. John closed the ramp and they were off before the others had time to buckle in. Ivy laughed at Booster's stricken face. All the color had drained from it, 
and he sat down in the nearest seat because the shaking of his legs was too intense for him to venture any further. Oh, Mr. Gold, Ivy's contentness showed in her confident smile. Why did you bring the plant lady? His eyes were still wide with fear, so she approached him slowly, her hips swaying as she went. With that cocky smirk still playing on her lips, she lowered herself onto his lap, straddling him so that she could lean into his ear. It would be wise of you not to disrespect me again. His breath hitched as she leaned. Closer, placing her tongue just below his ear and dragging it along his jaw, leaving a trail of smoke and blistered skin in her wake. Booster whimpered at the pain and she dragged her lips upward so they barely ghosted against his bottom one. If you can't even handle my tongue. Her eyes flicked up to his, the green flickering like acid. How did you expect to handle the rest of me? Chapter 24 Ugh, was Pam's first thought upon pulling into the driveway. Tree trimmers. Excuse me, she called out after rolling her window down. Is there something I can help you with? There were two men standing outside her house, one assessing the tree that bridged the property line, the other retrieving something from their truck. The second man closed the passenger door with a wide smile on his face. No, ma'am. Just doing some limboing. Why? Was Pam's next question. We were hired by the owners of the house to clean this bad boy up, he informed her. Unfortunately for him, she'd headed up to here with grinning men today. Well that's odd, seeing as I'm the owner of the house. Which one? This one, he asked, pointing to the neighbors. Without first answering, she turned off the car and got out, walking with purpose back over to him, her heels clicking on the pavement. That tree bridges our property line. They don't have the authority to. Harleen, who had been playing in the front yard with Joe, bounded up beside her, planting a kiss on her cheek. Welcome home, honey. Pamela knew that translated to, pretend like you're human, please, so she gritted her teeth. Do you have a permit? Yes they do, Harley interjected before the man could answer. And they're not chopping it down, they're just trimming it, to make it healthier. Pam scowled at the man. And you have a license? You know what you're doing? Geez, lady, he chuckled. It's just a tree. Just a, just a tree? Pamela was horrified. Sir, if you only knew. Alrighty then. Harley looped her arm around Pam's and turned her around, dragging her towards the house. It's absolutely, totally, completely unnecessary, Harleen. Pam complained, nearly tripping as she was led onto the front porch. What do they know? The stupid Joneses with their stupid dog and stupid sweaters, and stupid, ridiculous lawn care OCD. Harley laughed, I don't think I've ever heard you use the word, stupid, so many times in a sentence running her thumb over her wife's bottom lip, leaning forward into a kiss. How about we plant another one in our yard, huh? Yeah, mom, Jolene skipped up next to them with a grin. And then we could go to the store and buy better sweaters and wear them around just to make the stupid Joneses mad. Oh, my vindictive little angel, Harley cooed, with only a hint of sarcasm, running a loving hand through the girl's hair. Pam sighed, shaking her head and entering the house. Anthony was playing the piano, Bach, clearly, though Pamela couldn't identify the specific piece at the moment. Jolene was following so close behind her she stepped on her heel, 
and Harley was asking what the kids wanted for dinner. Separately? None of this would have been a problem, but together, Pamela felt overwhelmed, claustrophobic, like she was still wearing that space helmet. Hey, Mom, check it out, Anthony grinned, not looking up from the piano keys. I think I finally got the bridge down. Wadia bring us back from space, Mom? Jolene asked as Anthony's playing grew louder. You're dragging, Pam observed, speaking to Anthony but looking at Jolene. Huh, the girl's face pulled into a question mark. No, not, get the metronome, Pam sputtered. You're. Anthony yelped in surprise, springing up from the bench as a vine shot out from the flowerpot by the door, sprouting finger-like extensions to occupy the keys Anthony had just abandoned, resuming the song where the boy had left off. Pamela starred in bewilderment along with her family. She hadn't moved. Her hand had barely twitched, let alone directed the actions of that vine. She was used to being able to exercise that degree of control when dressed in her suit, but she was in civilian clothes now. Just a simple dress and blazer, no special fabric. I. She cleared her throat and waved her hand to retract the vine back to its pot, stopping the music as she did. I need to go to the greenhouse for a moment. And, um, she smoothed down the non-existent wrinkles in her. Dress. I think you should order pizza, Harleen. With broccoli. Pizza with broccoli. Okay. Harleen was looking at her oddly. Are you alright? What? Pam had heard her, but the meaning of the words didn't exactly sink in. The sentence was scrambled in her mind like Pam's brain couldn't interpret the language she'd used. Are you all right? Harley repeated, slower this time. Oh, yes, Pam smiled, though it was slightly painful. Perfectly, perfect. And with that, she continued through the foyer in the living room, down the hallway and out the back door towards the greenhouse. Um, I think maybe space broke mom? Joe theorized just loud enough for Pam to hear as she shut the back door behind her. She moved quickly across the yard, but her fingers fumbled clumsily at the latch on the greenhouse and her breathing quickened, another wave of panic overtaking her. Finally, she did get it open, and closed herself inside, pressing her hand against her chest to feel her heartbeat as it raced. Slowly, her breathing returned to normal, just as it had during the mission she'd participated in earlier that day and her heart rate followed suit. Pam blinked, her skin adjusting to the sweltering heat of the greenhouse, and sunk down to the floor, sitting with her back up against the closed door. It was at that moment that the tree trimmers decided to start up their chainsaw. Pam groaned, sticking her fingers in her ears in an attempt to shut out the sound of one of her children being maimed. But when she heard the metal saw make contact with the tree, she screamed in pain, feeling like someone was slicing her up the middle with a hot blade. The pain didn't stop until the trimmers had presumably sawed the branch off, and even when that stopped, Pamela was left with a lingering ache that reverberated through her body. She moaned in anguish and rolled forward onto her knees, crawling over the grass to her workbench. She didn't understand what was happening to her, but she was frustrated and confused, and the angrier she got the more her wrist began to throb. Pulling herself up and then leaning against the bench, she tore off her blazer and looked down at her wrist to see identical ridges to the ones she'd found on her stomach, but these ones were pulsing beneath her skin, like engorged veins being pumped with blood. Pam yanked her top drawer open, 
grabbing for the scalpel and attempting to steady herself as she lined up the blade. Stuffing the blazer in her mouth to muffle any cries she might emit, Pam pressed the tip of the scalpel into her skin and drug it down one of the ridges, splitting it at the top. Her eyes grew wide, blazer dropping from her mouth and stomach turning as a thin, green vine slithered out of the slit she'd just created, writhing in the air, but remaining rooted beneath her skin. Ivy stumbled back from the table, disoriented, almost like she was attempting to put space between her and her wrist. But being that it was attached to her body, it inevitably followed her, as did the tendril wriggling slowly in and out of her skin. Hey, Pam. Came Harley's voice after a few knocks on the door. Are you sure you're okay? Yes. Yes, I'm fine. The redhead attempted to sound nonchalant, but her voice came out unnaturally high. She prayed Harley wouldn't detect the underlying panic. Okay, sure, uh, you want me to come get you when the pizza gets here so you can sit with us? Harleen suggested. Or, I don't know, maybe you worked up an actual appetite? You know, it's entirely possible, was Pam's casual response. I just need to catalog a sample and I'll be right in. Great. Harley was obviously unconvinced about something. Love you. And I love you too, Harleen. Pam assured her, rather awkwardly, as she eyed the tendril twisting in the air. So much. She could feel Harley linger by the door for another moment before turning away and heading back across the yard. As soon as she felt sufficiently alone, Pam grabbed the vine and held it there, pulling slightly to see if it was removable. It wasn't. As she tugged, she could feel it pulling from the pit of her stomach somehow. Okay, Dr. Isley. She attempted to calm herself. How about we, efficiently, assess this latest development? Clearing her throat, Pam made her way back to the bench and took a pair of scissors out of the drawer she'd left open. Gritting her teeth, she quickly let go of the vine just long enough to snip off the end. That hurt. Not nearly as much as whatever she'd experienced with the tree had, but certainly painful still. She then snatched a clean petri dish from atop the desk and placed the portion she'd snipped off into it, watching as it moved like a worm would without soil. Dr. Isley just stood there, staring at it, unsure, for maybe the first time in her life, how to move forward with some semblance of scientific procedure. But. Then she thought back to the vine and the piano in the house, and to how it had moved according to her thought process and not her direction, like it was a part of her. And then how it had felt like she, herself, was losing a limb when they'd sawed into the tree, and this vine actually had come from her, and, she glanced down at her wrist once more, seeing the identical spirals now protruding from her forearms as well. Slowly, sheepishly, she lifted her dress back over her hips to examine her stomach, and found those same markings running through her thighs. Suddenly, her eyes snapped back to the vine in the petri dish. Grow. She thought, and that's exactly what it did. Longer, thicker, it soon slithered, snake-like, off of the table and onto the ground. Like one of her genetically engineered seeds would, but this, this had come from her. This was an extension of her anatomy. Mutation. Ivy breathed. It's a mutation. But why? And more importantly, how? She'd maintained the same physiology for 55 years, and now she was suddenly drastically different? What had been the trigger? Why would, the smell? 
The smell of the pheromones she was exposed to today was familiar not because it was similar to the ones she employed on Earth, but because she'd been exposed to a substance from the same organism before. The enzyme that dissolved her suit all those years ago was the alien pitcher plant's stomach acid. You idiot, Pamela. So this change wasn't subtle at all, that attack had laid the groundwork, this was just the final stage of the mutation. Why had she stopped performing blood tests on herself? These changes should have been on her radar. She got complacent, that's why. Got busy and distracted. She'd taken shortcuts. There. Had been other things to focus on besides herself, like Harley and the kids, and, this was unsafe. She snatched her cell phone out of the pocket of her blazer and dialed Bruce. He answered quickly. Pamela. Bruce, I need to be removed from my home on the grounds of possibly dangerous levels of toxicity. What, do you have a gas leak or something? Lead in the water pipes? No, it's me. She told him, watching the vein-like vines pulse beneath her thin skin. I seem to have undergone some, physical alterations, the extent of which is impossible to determine using the equipment I have here. I need an evac and a quarantine. Chapter 25 How come it's been a whole three days and we still haven't seen mom? Joe demanded. Or, pouted, really, as Harleen strapped her into the back seat. Something she was perfectly capable of doing on her own, but was at the moment unable to because her arms were crossed petulantly over her chest. Hey, Jolene, remember a whole fifteen minutes ago when I said we were going to see mom? Harley asked, rhetorically. Well, there we go. The wait is over. Yeah, but why did it take so long? The girl huffed. First of all, she never gave me my present from space, and also you guys said she was gonna be home more because she doesn't work. So you lied. Harley sighed, closing the back door and walking to the drivers. Anthony had been kind enough to start the car for her and he now sat in the passenger seat. His buckle done of his own accord, thank God. We didn't know she was going to get sick, Jolene. What sort of sick is she? Joe asked, looking at Harley's reflection in the rearview mirror. I don't really know. Plant's sick, I guess. Like she needs to be watered? No, not like that. Harley tried to think of a better explanation for the extremely vague one Bruce had told her over the phone. Just, I guess she might be more, I don't know, planty. Like we're gonna have to put her in a flower pot? Joe's intensity rose tenfold. But, Ma. Mom says it's disrespectful to put a flower in a pot that's not as pretty as the flower, and we don't have any pots as pretty as Mom. Oh my God, Joe. Anthony turned around to face his sister. We are not going to put mom in a flower pot. Right, ma. We, we're not, right? Of course not, Harleen assured them. I really don't know what the deal is. I haven't seen her either. M, M, mama? Joe prompted, her lip quivering and her eyes now filled with tears. Is mom gonna die? Cause I know people die a lot of times when they get sick, but you promised mom would never die. Okay, everyone just needs to chill. Harley tried to sound stern and in control, like Pam would. Whatever it is, it's going to be fine. Just, keep it together, please. You guys get to just hang out and meet some real-life superheroes while I talk to her, 
and then you will get to say hi. Harleen glanced back at Joe then to make sure her message had been received. The girl's jaw had tightened resiliently, her eyes still glassy but now determined in their gaze. Where, to most, putting on your brave face was just a figure of speech, to Joe it was literal. She had perfected the brave face. Jolene looked like Harley, that was undeniable. With her round cheeks and wide smiles, her button nose and softly angled brows. But that splash of freckles across her nose had come from Pamela. And her eyes, too. That intense, almost unnerving green. And just like her mother, there was a coldness rooted within them that seemed easy to tap. Beautiful, yes, but dangerous too. Harley wasn't sure if Jolene meant to do it, but at rest her brow furrowed and her usually expressive features darkened, giving the illusion that whatever was behind those glimmering emeralds was something, disquieting. Of course then Jolene would blink and grin and it felt as if Harley had hallucinated the rest of it. Anthony was the opposite. His eyes were wide and soft and likely betrayed his emotions far too readily for his liking. He would attempt to harden his expression, just as Harleen did, by narrowing them and setting his jaw, but like Harley he would always be the deer rather than the hunter. Other than that he was mostly just Pam, meaning just a truly gorgeous specimen. His hands were, at the moment, twisting nervously in his lap while he stared resolutely ahead, and good lord that kid had a lot going for him, what with the cheekbones, delicate nose and cleft chin of a goddamn champion. Hey, aunt? Harley murmured, startling him as if he'd been caught doing something wrong. It's all going to work itself out. She took his hand with the one not occupied by the steering wheel and squeezed reassuringly, and after a moment, he squeezed back, chewing on his bottom lip as he did. I just... He started, his voice quiet, timid. I wasn't very nice to her. Oh, dude, Harley chuckled. It's totally alright to be pissed at your parents sometimes. Even if she does die I swear she wouldn't hold it against you. Anthony's jaw went slack, his eyes bugging out fearfully. What? So there's really a chance that she'll... die? Joe was riled up again. Come on, Harleen. They took Bruce's private jet, not the bat plane, but his civilian jet, to Washington, D.C., and while that experience seemed to placate Joe, it had clearly amplified Anthony's anxiety. By the time they were scaling the front steps of the Hall of Justice, Anthony's tie was completely wrinkled due to his nervous fumbling, which, of course, made him more nervous. Oh, here. Joe exclaimed, snatching Harley's bag off of her shoulder and pulling out one of Anthony's gray, v-neck sweaters she'd smuggled. I made Mama pack this cuz I thought you might get cold. Her smile was prideful, a blush rising in her cheeks. Harleen suddenly felt guilty for just assuming Joe was stealing it, and for being complicit in that theft, which yeah, turned out not to be an actual theft, but, oh, whatever. She passed them off to Miss Martian, who seemed delighted to meet them, smiling and humoring Jolene by shape-shifting into her, which, of course, thoroughly blew her mind. Harleen slipped off while they were distracted, navigating the halls in search of the conference room they'd assigned her. Ooh. I know exactly who you are. A male voice echoed behind her. Harley turned around, an eyebrow raised, to find, ugh. Um, Booster Green, right? Or, Gold. Booster Gold? 
The man gave her an almost uncomfortable look over before his face broke out into a grin. All right, I get it now. I'm sorry. Harley adjusted the bag on her shoulder. You're boning the plant, right? Booster inquired, his tone making it seem like that was a totally appropriate question. Mad respect. Uh, thanks, I guess. She shifted under his scrutiny. I, I think I'm lost. You're here to see her, right? Yes, I was supposed to meet a. She pulled the piece of paper where she'd scribbled down the cryptic instructions out of the back pocket of her jeans and squinted at her handwriting. Boo, oh, you. Booster chuckled, putting a strong arm around her shoulders. Let's go find your lady, kid. I think I'm older than you, Harley mumbled as she was led through the halls, down to an elevator that they used to descend into the basement, which somehow seemed more expensive than the other floors. I was sort of exposed to the stuff, so they figured I might be a bit more resistant to it than someone who wasn't on the mission, Booster explained. Oh. Harley was a bit confused, as she hadn't asked him a question. That's why I'm your guide. He clarified. I just thought it might be a bit strange seeing me, since, you know, it's no secret Isley isn't exactly my biggest fan. I'm sure she's complained about me. MMM. Harleen furrowed her brow in thought. Actually, I don't think she's ever mentioned you. Not once. There was some hurt in his voice that Harley was sure Pam would have enjoyed. Not once. Oh. He stopped outside of a thick door and looked at Harley. So here's the deal, past this is the medical wing. You'll see the signs for the quarantine unit, follow those, Bruce and Barry are in there right now, I think. Good luck. Tell her I said, hey, dot. And with that, he punched a code into the keypad and started back down the hallway, leaving Harley to enter by herself. She followed his instructions, making her way past glass-walled hospital rooms that looked suspiciously like the cells one might find at Arkham, although clearly better funded. The quarantine unit wasn't hard to find, it was clearly marked, just as Booster said it would be, and soon she was standing in front of another metal door. This one without a keypad, though. Harley was looking around, unsure of what to do next, when the door unlatched on its own accord and slid open, revealing a dimly lit control room within. Observation window. What was meant to be observed, however, was more of a mystery, as the room beyond was clouded with verdant mist. Bruce was dressed in a simple black t-shirt and jeans, a look Harley was only familiar with given their personal relationship. Still, it looked wildly out of place in these surroundings. She'd at least had the decency to wear a polo shirt. But Barry was wearing a lab coat, which helped things to feel at least somewhat official. Harleen, Barry greeted, warmly. And she couldn't help but smile in response, despite the circumstances. She liked Barry, even if she'd only had a few run-ins with him. One does not forget a man who asks to dance with your bride at your wedding. Barry, Bruce. She acknowledged both men, her expression sobering when she saw the dark rings around the latter man's eyes. So, what's the deal? Bruce cleared his throat, dimming the lights further in the observation room, making it easier to see into the mist. Harley took a step closer, now able to make out a shadowed figure against the far wall of the cell. Before her eyes could fully adjust, though, that figure was barreling forward, 
moving through the mist and slamming both fists on the glass. Harley. Ah. The blonde jumped back, alarmed by the bright green eyes seeming to stare right at her. It was Pam, or, a version of Pam, anyway. Ivy. Some terrifying variation of poison ivy. Her eyes shone her angriest green, but her tone had been frantic. Her eyes were wide and fearful rather than furious. She was wearing what seemed to be a shirt the Justice League had issued her, but it was rolled up at the sleeves and held together with only two buttons just under her breasts, exposing her stomach and legs. And the view of those expanses of skin was what made Harley's guts tighten. It was as if Pamela had truly become a plant, requiring roots that ran in spiraling patterns beneath her skin. Like the veins of a human, but thicker, stronger and alive. Pulsing. Crawling. And there were leaves too, small ones, sprouting from the ends of the thickest protrusions. Her skin, usually a vibrant emerald in her poison ivy form, was now iridescent, shimmering almost golden as Harleen looked closer. You have to help me. Ivy's fist opened to a palm on the glass. Can she, can she see us? Harley whispered. No, Bruce assured her. Can't hear us either. Then how did? Barry pointed to the potted plant on the desk in front of them. She wanted to know who would be looking in on her. Harley bravely turned her attention back to her wife, whose chest was heaving under some invisible pressure as she leaned against the glass. The woman's red hair was greasy and unkempt in a way Harley had never seen in her before. She looks like crap. The blonde murmured. That's all she could say. And then, perhaps inappropriately, I should have brought her some shampoo. The plants. Can't you hear them? Ivy's voice was desperate, her body language communicating the same. They're crying out to me in agony. W, what happened to her? Harley asked, now not able to look away from the plant hybrid. We're not totally sure, Barry sighed. See, if this were anyone else, Pam would have been our first call, but, she's clearly indisposed at the moment. Seems she's mutated somehow. Something affected the ratio of plant to human in her DNA, and she went from something nearing 50 to 50 to, let's just guess 70 to 30. Please, let me out. Ivy pleaded. They'll die without me. Harley's throat grew thick with emotion, strangling her words as they came out. Why aren't you listening to her? Because she explicitly told us not to. Bruce said, crossing his arms over his chest. She gave us three instructions on how to handle her, one, do not tie her down. Two, do not introduce leather into the environment. Three, do not let her out until she's fully incorporated into the new stream of consciousness. What does that mean? Harley wanted to know, watching as Ivy dragged her hands down the glass, leaning against it for support. Bruce picked up a file from the desk and opened it. According to her statement when we first admitted her, she had noticed some memory issues as of late, as well as delayed or sluggish motor skills and sensory overload. She said she just assumed the sensory stuff was connected to her PTSD, and the other two to her advanced human age. What? Harley couldn't quite make sense of what she was hearing. She didn't tell me any of this. Maybe she was waiting until she knew something definitive. Barry offered. Bruce pressed on. 
She now believes those issues stemmed from her body's attempt to incorporate the plant world stream of consciousness more fully as the mutation took over. More fully. Harley almost laughed. She can already hear them and control them. Are you telling me she got an upgrade on her powers? Well, I suppose you could call it that, Barry admitted. She is now able to demonstrate complete control over plant life with just a thought, as they are now an extension of herself, not just her kin. Meaning she doesn't need the suit anymore. Bruce sounded a bit bitter about that. The upgrade, as you say, did come with some consequences, though. Like, she's currently finding the voice of the ecosystem to be overwhelming. It's louder, it's amplified and she's having trouble tuning out what she doesn't want to hear. We're bringing Superman in to help her with that tomorrow, if she hasn't already figured it out. The dude is a master of selective hearing. Good, Harleen nodded, pretending to be brave, though this entire situation was making her skin crawl. The other side effect is. Barry cleared his throat, Bruce. The taller man sighed, reaching out to the potted plant on the desk in front of him, which Harley now realized was a bonsai tree and roughly ripping one of its branches off. Ivy instantly screamed in agony on the other side of the glass, as if Bruce had torn one of her fingers off. She felt that? Harley murmured, disbelieving. Horrified. Yes, Bruce affirmed, something approaching remorse in his voice. And what about the, she indicated the patient's altered anatomy. Right, those. Barry leaned forward into the microphone on the control panel, his finger hesitating over the button. You got something to piss her off? Harley stalled a moment, Pam's pained expression tugging on her heartstrings. She didn't want to hurt her, but she knew that, at her core, Pamela was a scientist, and she had subjected herself to this. Harley needed to see what she was dealing with. So, with the pressure of tears behind her eyes, Harley told him, call her Pammy. Tell her to be a good girl. Barry cleared his throat, his obvious nervousness making Harley anxious. Hey, Pammy. Ivy's head snapped to attention, staring straight into the control room. Straight at Harley. Pammy. He repeated, glancing over at Harley, who offered him a nod. Be a good girl, Pammy. The redhead's eyes darted to the corner of the cell, and once she locked onto the speaker, she thrust her arm in that direction and the vine lurking just below the skin of her hand shot out, ripping its way through on a beeline straight for the speaker, which is skewered, ending any further communication. Harley promptly leaned over and vomited. Chapter 26 Let's go, guys. Harleen said, tersely. Jolene grinned, looking happily at Miss Martian from the other end of the chessboard. We get to go see my mom now. No. Harley sighed. No you don't. Not today. We're going to get a hotel. What? Anthony looked affronted as he turned in his chair. Why? We'll talk about it later, there was a bite to Harley's tone that the kids weren't used to. Get up, let's go. Nuh-uh, wait a minute, Joe stood up, her expression stern. We rode all the way here on a plane so we could see mom. I know. Harley acknowledged. But plans changed. We're not doing that today. But you promised. Joe argued. The blonde helped her son to his feet. Yeah, well, sometimes I break my promises. 
just ask your mom. She ignored Jolene when the girl's gaze turned cold, looking at Miss Martian instead. Thank you for watching them, Gan. Oh, no, thank you. Gan stood, a charming, tone-deaf smile on her face. Your offspring are wonderful, Mrs. Isley. Quinzel. Ms. Quinzel, Harley corrected, a bit harshly. The teen's smile immediately dropped. Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry for the error. Unlike Ivy, whose skin blushed a darker shade of green, Ganes showed up red, her cheeks now looking unnatural against the verdant background of her typical complexion. I was told that spouses on this planet often take each other's family names after marriage. Oftentimes, yes. Harley softened slightly, putting her hand on Jolene's shoulder to lead her in the right direction. I appreciate the compliment to my offspring, though. Of course, ma'am. Gan nodded emphatically. I do not like to lie, and it would be shameful of me not to mention how much I enjoyed their company. Mama likes to lie. Joe mumbled, she does it all the time. Car. Now. Harley pointed towards the door. Joe wrinkled her nose as she passed, stomping her feet all the way to her destination. Anthony wasn't much better, although he did offer Mgan a shy smile as he followed his sister. Mgan was just being nice, ma. Anthony huffed, once they were all sitting in the back of the car Bruce had ordered for them. And why would you make us miss school and drag us onto a plane just to not let us see her? Excuse me, Harley leaned forward, speaking to the driver and ignoring Anthony for a moment. Is there like a, I don't know, a Nordstrom around here or something? Yes, ma'am, about fifteen minutes in this traffic. He told her. Fantastic, Harley sighed, her delivery not quite matching up with her diction. Anthony looked appalled beside her. You didn't let us see mom because you wanted to go shopping? You know what, guys? I owe you an apology. Harley's tone was clip. Here I've been living the last twelve years of my life thinking I was the parent and you were the kids. Clearly, I made a grave error. You guys probably know best. Jolene looked like she was going to pat herself on the back for a moment before a quick glance at her older brother communicated the proper reaction, scowling. Ugh, I'm sorry, Harley dragged her hands over her face, pressing her heels of her palms into her eyes. It's, something happened to mom. Something has been happening, I guess, for a while now, but now it's here and it's new and stressful and I don't know how to deal with it for myself, let alone for you guys. Harley crossed her fingers that they would allow her to leave it at that because the reality of what had happened was Pam had asked about her plant babies, not her actual children, and although her reasoning made sense, that might not be so easy for a 12-year-old and a 7-year-old to understand. What's the matter with her? Joe asked her voice shaky. Well. Harlene cleared her throat, straightening herself up. You're the one that wanted kids even though you knew things could get weird. Nut up, buttercup. Mom's powers have been, expanded. She, can do more cool stuff now, so, that's what she looks like. Expanded? Joe furrowed her brow. Did mom get fat? Harley laughed, but Joe continued taking this very seriously. Is that why we're going shopping? Cause mom grew out of all her clothes? No, Joe. Harley shook her head. That's not the problem. 
but she does need new clothes. Pam did have a lot of clothes, a lot of blouses and skirts and tank tops and dresses, all of which would now be rendered useless for concealing her identity in the civilian world. She needs long sleeves, and pants, and sweaters and jackets, Harley told them. Ivy sat in the corner of her cell, no, her room. She wasn't being held here. She'd asked them to keep her here. This wasn't Arkham. These people were on her side, as difficult as that was to believe. Superman had just left, though calling him Clark would have been more appropriate as he'd come dressed in a checkered shirt tucked into some jeans. Pam didn't think she'd ever feel comfortable seeing these heroes dressed as regular humans, just as she'd had a hard time looking like one herself for a significant stretch of time. Now that was even more difficult, and not for psychological reasons. She couldn't affect her pigment anymore. Well, not yet, anyway. With the voices and the skin issue, Pamela essentially possessed the same control over her powers as her son had at four years old. And, yes, that was shameful. For the moment, though, Pamela was working hard to employ the strategy Clark had taught her for selective hearing, and somehow, somehow, it was proving effective, again, just for the moment. She'd seen her reflection, she knew there was nothing subtle about this change. There would be no hiding it from her family. She'd have to embrace it in the public sphere as well, there was no way around that. She knew she should be angry at Harleen for something, but for the life of her, she could not remember what that was. Her short-term memory was still a bit convoluted. Bruce said that was likely a stress response, and after she truly mastered her new powers, things would begin to clear up. Her mind wouldn't feel so foggy. It was as if she was right back in that hospital room after the coma. Confused, overwhelmed, out of control, but this time, she wasn't alone. Bruce hadn't returned to Gotham since she'd been quarantined, she knew Barry had been attentive as well, and Clark, Kara, and Jessica had all paid her a visit, even if she hadn't seen them, she'd felt them in the next room, and that was better than anything she got back then. And, Harleen was back for a second visit now. Ivy could feel her looking. Feel her eyes wandering over her body, studying how it had changed. Pamela hung her head, pulling her knees to her chest because, although she'd adjusted to the artificial tropical climate of the room, she simply didn't feel like finding the pants she'd discarded was worth it. Poison Ivy wasn't modest with her assets by any stretch of the imagination, but this form? It would take some getting used to. And, at the moment, she certainly didn't feel beautiful. The door unlatching startled Pam, and because her body barely felt like her own anymore, her physical reaction was greater than her mental one and she was just barely able to stop a vine from shooting forward out of her wrist. Which she supposed was an improvement, actually. She was biting down on the side of her cheek to mute her groan of pain when a figure in a hazmat suit entered the room, the door latching shut once more behind them. Pam knew it was Harley as soon as she took a step, from her stature, yes, but also from her gait. The blonde didn't speak at first, just walked toward her, and that frightened Pamela. Harley always talked. Talked in bed, whether awake or asleep, talked as soon as the sun had risen or set, talked while doing the dishes or getting the kids ready for school. Talked when she was happy or anxious, when she was sad or angry, the only time she didn't talk was when she was forcing herself into silence because she knew speaking in that moment would mean wrenching her foot out of her mouth later on. 
Pamela averted her gaze to stare down at her bare feet rather than watch her cautiously approach. The first words out of Harley's mouth were, I'm sorry, and they came out of the suit's internal microphone somewhat garbled. Your condolences are appreciated, Pamela mumbled. Harley stopped a few feet in front of her, just out of reach. No, I mean about saying the thing again. But about the rest of it too, sure. And then it came back to her. Barry's voice over the microphone, saying what only Harley knew. That bitch. Vines ripped from her forearms before she had a chance to calm her anger, and all of the sudden they had Harley hanging upside down, the panicked look on the blonde's face on full display through her helmet. Fuck, fuck, F-U-C-K. Ivy yelled in frustration, mourning the loss of the patches of skin she'd just sacrificed. Pam almost laughed for how intensely she had once hated the pain of growing a leotard. That absolutely paled in comparison to what this felt like. The door began to unlatch once more but Harley called out for whoever was coming to stop. It's alright. We're fine. Marriage, am I right? She delivered the line like the opening act at a comedy show and Pam rolled her eyes in response. Normal reaction, that's good. We had a deal. Pam growled. I was just probing some phenomena, Pam. I just needed to see what we were dealing with here, that's all. And that's the thing that gets you pissed the quickest, followed by grammatical errors, industrialists, and men. That all fell out of Harley rather quickly. In my head, I put an Oxford comma in there just for you. Ivy scowled at her, not making any move to get her down just yet. She hoped that this display would come off as powerful because her moods had been rather unpredictable and she knew she'd be crying in no time at all. Either that or killing her wife, and really, neither was what she wanted. Come on, Red. Put me down, Harley's tone was calm despite her predicament. I just wanna talk, okay? That's sorta hard to do when all the blood is rushing to my head. Ivy turned away from her rather than obliging her. We missed you at home. Harley ventured. Me and the kids, they're here, you know. In the lobby. They can't see me. Ivy insisted as she spun around. Not like this, they, they can't. Harlene was clearly trying to nod, but the suit and her positioning was making it exceedingly difficult. It's only me in here right now, babe. Just, let me down so I can give you a hug, please. Preferably a kiss too. You don't want that, Ivy decided. I'm hideous. But her mind was clearly working against her as the vines lowered the woman back to the ground, planting her on her feet before retracting. Harleen took another moment to look at her. Her eyes wandered unapologetically, covering every square inch of exposed skin, which was a lot at this point. Oh, fuck it, she mumbled, pulling off her helmet and unzipping her suit. No, Harley, don't. I'm. Oh, hush now. The blonde threw her gloves to the ground. The readout in there says this is breathable oxygen and I'm immune to your bullshit. And with that, she crossed the space between them and pulled her wife into a strong hug, her arms lacing around her back. Ivy was startled, clearly. Her hands remained out like she'd intended to block the other woman, but, little by little, the warmth of a human being against her began to feel comfortable and she forced herself to hug her back, burying her nose in Harley's clean hair. You are so not hideous, Harley whispered. 
In fact, if we didn't have an audience, I'd take you right now, I swear to God. Pam wanted to laugh, but of course she cried instead. Gripping Harley tighter and dampening the soft cotton of her t-shirt. At least her tears were still human. Show. Harleen's warm breath was soothing against her skin. You're upset, it's upsetting, it's totally unfair. It's like life has given you lemon after lemon, but not a single fucking knife or pitcher or tablespoon of goddamn sugar. This life has been absolutely, categorically, undeniably shitty to you. Pamela couldn't remember the last time she'd sobbed, or, if she ever really had, actually. In her entire 88 years on the planet, had she ever just, cried? Not with Woodrue, not while she was on the table, no, those tears were feverish, frightened, and then afterwards in the hospital, those were confused, angry, and then after that, she hadn't wanted to cry. She hadn't wanted to give him that. The satisfaction of her sadness, so she got angry instead. And she had been angry for a long time, oscillating between an intense, unabated fury and the overwhelming isolation that lends itself to emptiness. I missed you, Pam gasped, the tears still rolling down her cheeks. Oh, babe. Harley chuckled, it was only four days. But I didn't think I would be the same, Pam sniffed, separating to look her in the eye. I didn't know if this would still feel like home or if I, I started to forget. The small things, Harleen, and I thought maybe I'd lost them, and then I was imagining the rest of my existence without what you've given me, Anne. It was scary. Harley fed her the words. Pam just nodded, biting her lip now in embarrassment for her emotional outburst. Harley smiled kindly, brushing Pam's red hair out of her face by pushing it straight back off her forehead, raking her fingers through it like Pam would if she were thinking, or upset, or stressed, or just, Pam. You're not ugly, Pam, Pamela, Poison Ivy. You are powerful, and this? Harley's eyes followed her finger as she traced an embedded tendril just below Ivy's collarbone. This we can handle. Together. You remember our wedding vows, right? To have and to hold, through thick and thin, in health and in plant mutation, till death do us part. It doesn't seem like you were paying attention, Pam let a small smile slip as she wiped the tears from her eyes. Harley grinned. Can I kiss you now? Or will that kill me? Not a bad way to go out, but I think I'd like to avoid the afterlife for just a bit longer. To answer, Pam draped her arms over the blonde's shoulders and gently brought their lips together, shivering as Harley ran her left hand down a vine that curled from beneath Ivy's breast to her upper thigh. Harley smiled against her lips. You know. Harley separated to lean her forehead against the other woman's. Maybe these things could be fun. Knock it off, Harleen. Pam pushed away, but the blonde was still smiling. No, really, I don't mind him, Dot. She assured her. I would like to know what sort of fashion statement you're making with that shirt, though. And you got a great ass, babe, but I feel like something that can't be plucked off might be a welcome addition down there. Just, you know, when we go outside. Oh, I'm not, I'm not ready to go outside. Ivy was suddenly defensive. Harley nodded in understanding. How can I help? I, Pam looked at the ground. Will you come back? Harley smiled. Every day.
Bruce grabbed Harley and wrapped her in a tarp as soon as she re-entered the control room, he then pulled her down the hall in the direction of the decontamination showers. Get her a flowering plant, get her the hair care products from her greenhouse at home, and continue to stimulate her mind. You're fucked if she gets bored. I'm serious. Harleen's instructions came fast. Ask her for help on a problem, give her the updated emissions numbers, show her some fucking graphs, it really doesn't matter. Just make her feel important and capable, alright? That's the key to placating Poison Ivy. Tell her she's important, capable, pretty and loved. Make her prove to you that she is. She likes games. Play a game she can just barely win. Bruce turned the water on for her. Is that Dr. Quinzel's foolproof strategy for how to pretend like Poison Ivy is sane? She is sane, Bruce. Harley stripped off her clothes and stepped underneath the spray. Just as sane as you or I. Her mental afflictions are all treatable, I've. Been treating her for the last 23 years, and rather successfully, I might add. But when you tell a person they're wrong, bad and crazy from the moment they're born, chances are they might start to believe it. This is like a, rebirth for her. She's not familiar with this stimulus she's receiving, either mental or physical. She hasn't learned to combat or utilize this degree of authority, which means. We have the chance to do it right this time. Bruce nearly let a smile slip. Yep. Harley confirmed with a grin. And it starts with loving her unconditionally, and not calling her crazy. Chapter 27 She's just been talking to that plant for an hour, Barry reported as Harleen entered the control room, setting a large shopping bag down on the chair Bruce wasn't occupying as he leaned against the wall talking into his cell phone. Well when did you give it to her? Harley asked. When I got here this morning. And she's only been talking to it for an hour? Something resembling concern passed over Harley's face. Only? Barry turned to her so he could fully comprehend his levels of WTF, but then Bruce was moving forward and tapping Harley on the shoulder. She wants to talk to you. Harley took the phone without further explanation and stepped out into the hallway. Who was that? Barry asked. My wife, was Bruce's answer as he stared at Ivy through the glass. Okay, Barry was expected to deal with the sexy swamp thing, he got that. But this? Wait, what? You're married? No, Batman replied, nonchalantly. So what's the deal? Selina asked without first saying hello. Is she ugly now or what? Harley sighed. No, Selina. Her face is unchanged. Tits. Selina prompted. Same. Ass. Present and accounted for. Harley assured me. We're excellent friends to her, Selina decided, seemingly convincing herself. I hope she realizes that. Yes, well, you clearly have her best interests in mind. Harley chided. I was going to ask if her head was alright next, but don't even try to pretend she wouldn't be worried about the other stuff. Fine. But why do you care? I mean, my stake in it is pretty clear. Why do you care that she's still hot? Selena scoffed on the other end of the line. Everyone's a little gay for Poison Ivy, Harley. Don't think you've got that cornered just because you're married to her. What? 
she was my desktop background for like two years, dude. Selena was clearly distracted as she put the phone on speaker. Anyway, when's she coming home? Soon, hopefully. Harley scuffed her Chuck Taylor on the linoleum. We're working on it. The kids there with you? Yeah, figured I'd let them stay till the end of the week if she's not ready, then I'd send them to Barbara's. Or how about mine? Selena suggested. You don't like kids, Harley reminded her. When have I ever said that? I like your kids just fine. Joe is my goddamn soul sister and Anthony's like my parent. I, Harley sighed. Fine. Just, I doubt it will be necessary, but thank you for the offer. Moi. Later Daisy. And with that, appropriately odd send-off, Selena hung up. Harley chuckled and shook her head, taking a deep breath before re-entering the room where Bruce and Barry were listening to Ivy hum to her flower as she watered it. All right, Harley handed Bruce his phone. So I think I'm going no hazmat at the beginning, it was romantic last time, but now I want to wear it at all to mean that I trust her. She is in charge of the environment, no? Yeah, Barry nodded. That's on her. Perfect, Harley smiled. So let's cross our fingers she's got her shit under control. Speaking of which, does she have her shit under control? Well she hasn't just randomly screamed yet today, Barry granted. Before she do that in response to what she was hearing in her head, so it seems like she's doing a better job of regulating the auditory information she's receiving. Awesome. No screaming is good. Harley took the shopping bags from the chair. Any other updates? Um, I gave her a Rubik's Cube to play with because you told me to keep her busy, and she couldn't figure it out so she smashed it against the wall. Barry reported. Then Bruce ran a little science trivia contest between us and she called me an idiot after she won and said my doctorate should be rescinded. So, normal Pam stuff, then. Harley grinned. That's fantastic. Good job, team. She gave Barry an enthusiastic high-five. What's the plan for today? Bruce asked, taking a sip of his coffee. Well it would be pretty sweet if I could get her to reaffirm her commitment to her humanity, Harley confessed. If we want to keep her on our team we have to remind her why it's worth it, otherwise, what's her incentive? Bruce set his mug down with a shrug. Show us how it's done. Ivy's fist clenched as soon as she opened the door, but no vine shot out, which Harley took as an example of her improved control. Good morning, Dr. Isley, Harleen greeted as she walked towards her. How are you feeling? Fine, Pam mumbled, not moving her attention from her flower. You know, Miss Martian called me Mrs. Isley the other day, Harley giggled. Harleen Isley sounds like hot garbage, Pam told her. Accurate. Harley reached down into the shopping bag she was carrying and pulled out the garment on top, tossing it to Pam who finally looked up at her, a questioning look on her face. What's this? She held the dress up in front of her. A prom dress, Harley informed. It's to cry next time you don't feel pretty. Sort of an honor tradition. Is that what these are for? The tone Pamela used was almost humorous. And here I thought they were just something your mother forced you into so you could be groped by the neighbor boy who was all set to inherit the family business. Mmm. Harley narrowed her eyes. That was oddly specific, 
so I'm gonna go ahead and guess that's what happened to you. Pam glared down at the fabric in her hands and Harley sat down next to her. I didn't get asked to prom, Harley admitted. But, I got asked to dance when I got there. I'm sure that story ends wonderfully, Pam assured. Uh, yeah, no. He just thought I'd put out, Harley lamented. He didn't grope me, though. How considerate of him. Well, he tried. Harley divulged. But he was too drunk, so he missed. Like I said. Pam folded the dress back up. Wonderful. But I thank you for the overpriced tissue. You're very welcome, Harley grinned, leaning over to give her a kiss on the cheek. That made Pam smile, even if she didn't acknowledge it. I fix my shirt, was what she said instead. Harley studied her closer to find Pam had, in fact, slightly changed the way she was wearing her shirt, she'd unrolled the sleeves. Pam giggled when she saw Harley roll her eyes. Oh, I see how it is, Harley laughed. Are you trolling me, Pamela Isley? I assume you don't mean in the context of the mythological creature. No, that's definitely not how I meant it, Harley chuckled, grabbing what was left out of the bag. She placed a folded pair of jeans and yellow cashmere sweater on Pam's lap. The kids picked this outfit for you. I told them you might need a new wardrobe. Pam brushed her fingers gently atop the sweater's soft material, employing the same reverence as she would if she were holding one of her flowers. Why yellow? Harley shrugged. Anthony said yellow for redheads is very in right now. Pam stopped, staring down at the clothing for a moment as she bit her lip. Suddenly, she brought her gaze to meet Harley's. You don't think Anthony is gay, do you? I, what? The blonde laughed. Because he's interested in fashion? Well, I, just, he seems to be passionate about that, and what with his music, besides, he has yet to express interest in a girl. Pam was stumbling, which was somehow adorable despite the fact that she now looked like the type of supervillain that horny adolescent nightmares were made of. All right, you lesbian. Harley crossed her arms. Time to turn in your stash of baseball caps and flannels. Pam looked downright offended. Me? In a baseball cap? Well, yeah. Harley went right along with her wife's literal interpretation. How the heck else are you supposed to keep the sun out of your eyes when you're, I don't know, walking the dogs or, loading your softball equipment into our Subaru? We don't, oh, Pam suddenly looked relieved. You're, you're chastising me for being stereotypical. You got me, Harley smiled, tucking a strand of hair behind Pam's ear. I see you washed your hair, did that feel good? Yes, I'm not a child. Pam huffed, running a hand through her hair herself now. Just because I acted that way yesterday doesn't mean dash. Wait, Harley's brow was furrowed when she interrupted her. You think, babe, being vulnerable doesn't make you childish, it makes you human. As if that's so much better, Pam scoffed. Do you? Harley cleared her throat. Do you still feel human? Pam took a beat before answering, and when she did, she kept her eyes downcast. Would you still love me if I wasn't? Twice now, Harleen had been surprised by Pamela's display of vulnerability during this transition. This time, though, she'd asked a yes or no question, and thinking it over, 
Harley realized it could harm Pam's recovery regardless of the answer she provided. If she were to say no, Pam could grow angry with Harley as she'd been promised unconditional love, but it could also motivate her to want to hold on to her humanity. The distinction there relied on just how much this physiological change had altered her thought process and how important Harley really was to her. On the other hand, Pam had once told her that Harley was the reason she even wanted to be a human at all, so agreeing to love her even if she were to let go of her humanity could mean condoning Ivy's slip back into single-mindedness, a trait that hadn't exactly done her too many favors over the years as it was mainly a coping mechanism to distract from the various traumas she'd experienced. Harleen watched Pam for some indication of what she wanted the answer to be, but the redhead just stared at the ground, flexing her bare toes in the dirt Bruce had brought in. Harley eventually decided that the best course of action was to take herself out of the equation completely. Make this Pam's choice. Would you still love me if you weren't? Harley asked. Is that an emotion you think you could be capable of without your humanity? Perhaps. Pam whisked. Perhaps not. Harley played the very biased devil's advocate before reaching out and taking her wife's hands. It's important, Pamela to really know what you want, now more than ever, to know if you still want me, or still want you, even, if you still want Pamela. Lillian Isley, Pam amended, bringing a smile to Harley's face as she corrected her omission. Doctor. Doctor. Yeah, Poison Ivy has a lot of responsibility to shoulder. Your plants need you, absolutely. And I know you can hear them. I know they're louder now. But Pamela has some responsibilities too. Harley interlaced their fingers. Like me, and Anthony, and... Joe. Pam finished. And Joe, Harley nodded. And I mean, like, I know we're not the entire ecosystem or anything, and I know it'll be even harder than before, but I think if anyone could balance the two, it would be you. No, I can do it. Pam said, like it was her idea, suddenly resolute. I can be both like before. Don't worry, she removed her hands from Harley's and went to cup her face instead. I'll be there for you. Always. I, I love you so much. I know that, Harley smiled, don't cry, don't cry. You always cry. No, I don't think you do, Pam professed, almost like it pained her. There's only one thing I love more than plants, Harleen. Is it Selena? Harley blurted out, her body just spitting out a joke because she couldn't fully accept Pam's confession. The way all her attention was focused on her. After 23 years of marriage, in a Justice League quarantine room, after an alien substance decided to throw yet another complication at her, Pamela was still the same woman who'd kissed her outside the police station that day, who'd switched sides for her who'd invited her to move in after she was paralyzed. Who tried to give her a romantic proposal, even if Harley had ruined it, who'd beamed as Harley wheeled herself up the aisle, who'd given her their children and stitched up every cut, soothed every bruise. Pamela, Ivy was human. Absolutely. She always had been, even when she fought it, even when she despised it. No, Harley, Pam chuckled. It's you. It's my family as if you fucking deserve her, Harley. But. No buts, Pam looked into her eyes with every ounce of sincerity she possessed. It's true. I can be both.
I just need, I need you to trust me. I trust you, I trust you, Harley promised as she surged forward into a kiss, her arms wrapping tightly around Pam's neck. Barry couldn't even look at her when Harley re-entered the control room, her movements a bit timid after remembering these guys had just watched her have a full-on make-out session with her wife. So. He ventured, glancing uncomfortably over at Bruce. I guess, mission accomplished? I'll say, Harley scoffed. Is that just, is that just the way she is? Barry questioned. Do you guys just live in the last 10 minutes of a romance movie like 24-7? No, but she's pretty fucking great, Harley acknowledged. Bruce, who had remained silent up until this point, cleared his throat. Do you think she's ready to go home? Well I'm definitely ready for her to come home. Tomorrow. Bruce decided. I'll call Clark in, get him to do one more session, and if things are still looking this good, I'll release her back into your supervision by the afternoon. Thank you, Harley breathed. Both of you. For all you've done for her. I've learned the hard way to give Poison Ivy what she wants, Barry smiled. And what she wants is you. Chapter 28 Pam smoothed her hands down her thighs in a nervous, repetitive motion, feeling the ridges of the vines beneath the fabric of her jeans. Harleen had assured her they weren't visible, but how could that be the case when she could feel them pulsing below her skin? Bruce cleared his throat, reminding Pam that she wasn't the only person in the elevator. You'll send me your report on the pigmentation issue? His tone was professional, like she was still a lawyer working for Wayne Enterprises. As soon as there is something to report, yes. Ivy told him. Bruce nodded, slowly turning back to face front, looking at their reflections in the shiny metal of the elevator door. And Pamela looked too. She was all the same above the neck, the mutation hadn't affected her facial features. Harleen said it would be up to her how she wanted to explain the rest of it to the children, how much she wanted to reveal. Her eyes flitted to Bruce. Nearing sixty now, he wasn't attempting to hide his age by dyeing his hair. Gray flecks were scattered about, and although he was aging rather well, as men who took care of themselves typically did, Pamela could see in his eyes that he was getting older. He kept himself in good shape, although he wasn't donning his cape all that frequently anymore, with his. Connection to Talia, Pamela had always assumed he'd find a way to escape aging with grace, but, no, he was, indeed, allowing himself to grow older. She respected him for that, although why, she wasn't quite sure. Perhaps it was rooted in some degree of jealousy that when his time was up, it would be up. He wouldn't have to force himself to continue with this purpose for the rest of Earth's existence. Do you consider me a friend, Pamela? Bruce asked, suddenly. Surprised, Ivy almost laughed. I'm sorry? After all this time, all these battles, against each other, side by side, what are we? He didn't turn to her, but continued to stare at her reflection. While it was true Batman had never truly been her enemy, more just a nuisance, and Bruce Wayne hadn't ever been the sort of industrialist to encourage clear-cutting or any of the other vile practices Ivy despised so thoroughly. At this point, though, even now that they were working toward a common goal, she'd never presumed them to be anything more meaningful than colleagues. Ivy didn't have any friends, save Selina. Barbara and Harleen, although the latter hardly counted. And what was a friend, truly? 
Pamela hadn't had many either in her time, so as elementary as it sounded, that was a valid question to ask. Harleen would say a friend is someone you can trust. Someone who has your best interests in mind and is there for you when you need it. I suppose. Pam offered. If we're judging by the clinical definition. I wasn't aware there was a clinical definition of friendship, he smirked. Pam pursed her lips. Although I resent your cocky disposition, I'm not too proud to express gratitude when it's been earned. So. Thank you. Bruce smiled. A real smile, which anyone who truly knew him would tell you was an altogether rare occurrence. You would have done the same for me. No I wouldn't. I know, Bruce chuckled. But I'd like to think that you would answer the call, if I ever made one. Pamela didn't answer, as that was the moment the doors slid open. Instead, she stepped into the main hall, looking across the marble expanse for. Mom. Jolene's girlish voice echoed in the cavernous room. Pam's face split into a wide smile as she watched Joe drop Harleen's hand and start a sprint towards her. The redhead braced for impact, kneeling down and opening her arms just before Joe reached her, the girl throwing her arms around her neck and relentlessly kissing her cheeks. Pam had to use all her abdominal strength to keep them upright. When Joe finally allowed for a bit of room, Pam found the girl's face was soaked with tears. Joe placed her hand gently on her mother's cheek, looking into her eyes, her bottom lip quivering. You're okay. I'm okay, Pam confirmed, covering the hand on her cheek. And then Joe was sobbing. Mama said you were gonna die, she buried her face in Pam's neck as Harleen and Anthony approached. I did nothing of the sort, Harley assured her. Pam shook her head, stroking Jolene's hair gently as the girl clung to her. She'd been apprehensive about seeing her children, worried they'd notice something was different about her, worried they wouldn't look at her the same way, but in that moment, holding her daughter in her arms, all of those feelings and worries washed away, replaced by a deep appreciation for all she had been blessed with. Harleen was wrong when she said life had only handed her lemons. These powers were a gift, regardless of how she came about them. She was handed the means to single-handedly inspire a new relationship between humans and nature. And this, her family. Pam thought back to the day after she left the hospital the first time. How different that experience was from this. How no one had been there when she was released. How she'd hailed a cab and was dropped off at her parents' house where she promised she would give them one last chance. Even at her most unhinged, when her mind was still sick and convoluted. When it was all she could do to walk straight, let alone control her emotions. How even then she had given them one last chance, and they'd failed, again. You have to be taught not to love your mother, Pam had told Harley, 23 years ago on the lawn of a different hospital, these kids, though. The ones that were hers, that were theirs, they hadn't been taught that lesson. They loved her, Pamela realized. Really, truly loved her. Feared for her safety, wanted to know she was okay, and not because they were afraid of her or desperate to impress her, although maybe that was mixed in there, relationships can be complicated, no, they didn't crave her affection, they knew they already had it. They loved her because they were loved. And that felt, important, somehow. A knot twisted in her stomach as Pam realized this was what unconditional love felt like. She was familiar with the concept, but had never truly had the opportunity to experience it in a human relationship. 
but then she glanced at Harleen, who was holding Anthony's hand as he stared down at his sneakers, and saw the smile on her face, how warm it was, how kind. And Pamela finally understood what it was to be human. Why was it worth it? She reached her hand out to Anthony, and he took it with his free one without first looking up. I'm really sorry. He murmured. For what? Pam asked as Joe pulled back. For saying you didn't want to be our mom, he told her, finally looking at her, his blue eyes glistening. Pam released Joe after planting a kiss on her forehead, and then stood up, taking Anthony's other hand from Harley and looking at him with a sigh. He was nearly her height at this point, and so, handsome. It made her proud to look at him, to see the young man he was becoming. I will never stop being your mother, Anthony. I just want. We don't have to talk about it right now, he cut her off, pulling her into a hug. You're not dead, that's more important. Is she good? Harleen directed her question at Bruce, who had been watching the exchange with a smile on his face. Does she have all her shots or do we need to stop at the vet on the way home? Really, Harl? Pam scolded as Anthony let her go. I don't get even a moment of sentimentality. You've had plenty, Harley asserted. Yes, Bruce acknowledged, answering the blonde's question. She's good to go. Thank you for making my mom better, Mr. Wayne. Joe said, sticking her hand out to be shaken. And don't worry, she assured. Your secret is safe with me. Oh. Bruce's eyes sparkled with mirth and he reached to shake her hand. And what secret might that be? That you're Batman, stupid. Joe laughed. Just like I figured out Auntie Barbara is Batgirl. Well, aren't you a smart girl? He retracted his hand and crossed his arms. Yeah, I'm a genius. Joe informed him, matter-of-factly. Bruce spoke to Ivy, I see you're raising her in your image. We encourage a realistic sense of self, Pam assured him. The man smirked and leaned down to speak to Joe once more. And are you a gymnast too? Pfft, yeah. Joe said like this was a fact that should have been obvious. They moved me up two age groups at the gym. Good. Bruce reached into his pocket and pulled out a business card. Call me when you're ready. Chapter 29 Happy birthday dear Harley, happy birthday to you. Harley grinned as the singing devolved into cheers and claps. Make a wish, Ma. Jolene urged excitedly. Make a wish, Harley sighed, okay, um, life? Please stop being a bitch to Pam. And, uh... It would be sweet if the kids would stay healthy, and me too, I guess. So, cheers. And with that thought, she blew out all fifty meticulously lighted candles, giving a little bow to everyone as the clapping resumed. Happy birthday, Pam whispered, kissing her cheek before making the first cut of the cake. All right, kids first, Selena dictated. You can eat it in the living room, but if you spill it on my couch I'm gonna kick your ass. Damien. Pam offered him the first piece. I'm not a kid, the boy huffed. Pam raised an eyebrow. Can you drive? Well, no. Purchase alcohol? No. Cigarettes? No. Can you legally get married without your parents' consent? Can you get into an R-rated movie? 
Damien snatched the slice of cake away from her rather than answer, sulking into the living room with his shoulders slumped. Harley chuckled at Pam's self-satisfied expression. I want a big piece, Joe instructed. How big? Pam asked. As big as my head. Was the girl's response. I've got a better idea, Harley took the knife from her wife. Have you ever seen Beetlejuice, Joe? The girl frowned, yeah? You showed it to us, remember? I do remember. Harley nodded, cutting Joe a normal-sized slice. Hey. That's way smaller than my head. Joe complained. Right, Harley acknowledged. But if you were Pinhead, it would be perfect. She handed it to the girl and gently pushed her into the direction of the living room. Anthony just smiled, silently taking his piece from the table and following his sister. Happy birthday, Ma. He told her as he left. Now was the time. They were alone. Just Pam, Bruce, Selena, Barbara and Dick. Harley cleared her throat, okay, so, listen. Cake first, then announcements. Dick pleaded, holding his hands out in hopes a slice would find its way to him. Fine, Harley conceded, having Pam pass him one. Anyone else? Everyone raised a hand, Selena the most hesitantly, but her intentions were still clear. With a sigh, Harley served the rest of them, and then herself. How about now? You are ready to listen. Dick responded by smiling, his mouth full of cake. Barbara offered a thumbs up while Bruce and Selena simply sat down at the table expectantly, watching Harley as they ate. Great, the blonde exhaled, taking their attention as a good sign. So, look, guys, I'm… an asshole? Selena guessed. Pregnant, was Dick's. Not hungry? Barbara raised an eyebrow at Harley's untouched slice of cake. Let her speak, Bruce intoned. Pregnant was the worst guess, Pam let everyone know, sitting down at the table as well. Pam. Don't encourage them. Harley scolded, taking another deep breath and putting her hands on her hips. I'm retiring. I'm really fucking old and I'm retiring. Huh. Selena sat back in her chair. Funny. My next guess was going to be really fucking old. Dot. You're older than me, Harley reminded her and not exactly kindly. The brunette's immediate response was to flip Harley off, but Bruce wrestled her hand down. In what capacity are you retiring, Harley? He asked. The blonde was grateful for an actual question. I'm turning in my cowl. She told him. I'm just, look, I was absolutely blessed to be able to be a part of this family, but, it's just, it's just time. I have total faith in Barbara total faith in Dick, I'll help with recruiting moving forward, if you'd like. Or whatever else you want to use me for, really. Except for sex. Sorry, guys. Pam and I have been exclusive for like four months now. Going strong, babe. Harley, Jesus. Pam pinched the bridge of her nose. All right, all right. Sorry, sorry, Harley apologized, getting back on track. I just can't be Batwoman anymore. I think it's time for Barbara to take up the mantle. Even with all the performance-enhancing bullshit Pam pumps into me, I'm slower, I'm weaker, I bruise easier, 
it takes longer for me to recover, it's time for me to be done. Bruce was nodding slowly, Dick staring at his hands in his lap, and Barbara's cheeks reddening as she looked from Harley to Bruce. I understand, Bruce said, finally. I'm, sad, he admitted, rather awkwardly. But I understand. I'm sure Barbara's transition will be seamless, Pam assured him. She's been ready for this for quite some time. Harley nodded in agreement. Dick moved his hand to where Barbara's was placed atop the table and held it, a smile growing on his face. Barbara was blushing, and that made Harley smile as well. Here was a person, 36 years old at this point, finally able to graduate from a girl to a woman. She had been 11 years old when Pam first met her, and from that moment, for whatever reason, she was seared into Pam's memory. Something about the girl had just stuck, and thank God it did, as Barbara was one of the most wonderful human beings Harley had ever had the pleasure of. Knowing in her fifty years on this planet. Passing the torch to her felt safe, and Harley was grateful for the opportunity. To Barbara, Harley raised her piece of cake in a toast. For your hard work, for your dedication, I believe in you, Babs. Always have. The new matriarch of the Bat family. The rest of the table all raised their plates. And to Harleen, Dick piggybacked. As someone who has worked for Bruce just a little longer than you, let me just say that 25 years in this world feels like no joke. I find the ones in costumes with medical degrees tend to be on the other side of the fence, so, thanks for being here. Harley quickly glanced at Pam, who was choosing to ignore that, evidently. With a smile, she thanked Dick for his words and sat down with a plop at the head of the table next to Pam. The redhead rubbed reassuring circles on her back as she took her first bite of cake. Selena had procured it from some upscale bakery, the kind of shop Harley would normally roll her eyes at, but holy shit this was a good cake. It was 9.30 on a school night before Pam had the kids in the car. Selena had already left, as she'd forgotten to get Harley a birthday present and felt the need to remedy that immediately. Dick and Barbara were both assigned to patrol that night, and for Barbara it would be her first time in the field without another woman as her senior. Harley's Batwoman suit would be retired to the cave and a new one would have to be made before the torch could truly be passed, but tonight was still meaningful, even without the proper uniform. Harley had been sent back inside in search of Jolene's coat when Bruce stopped her. Harleen. He said, leaning against the counter in the kitchen forcing her to divert her attention away from the task at hand. Bruce, the blonde sighed. Not impatiently, just, in acknowledgement. Silently, he crossed the room, and in one motion pulled her into a firm hug. Harley didn't get hugged by men all that often these days, being that she was married to a woman and her son was twelve and not quite sure if hugging his mom was cool anymore. In the twenty-five years she'd known Bruce, Harley couldn't recall ever being hugged by him, not even in the hospital after the Joker incident. But this was not unwelcome in any sense. She liked Bruce. No, actually, she loved him. Like a brother or sometimes even a father. He'd seen something in her that day they met at Arkham. He said it was something about her compassion for her patients. She remembered the night he'd offered her the position, offered her a chance to be a hero, truly, not just for the villains of the city but for the people as well. She remembered the pride that she felt that night. How good it was to be desired. A lot has changed since then. She'd changed, as had he, maybe, 
although she doubted it. There was something about Bruce that was just unwavering. But Selena's journey to sobriety, that had changed him. Harley had seen it, how he'd taken in and understood Selena's suffering. It bonded them, it allowed them to somehow mean more to each other. Thank you, Bruce was saying, his voice muffled into her hair. She wasn't really aware of just how tightly he was holding her before. No, Bruce. Harley said. Thank you. His expression was somber when they separated. Not sad, exactly, but certainly earnest. You'll need another Batgirl before you can have Joe, Harley smiled, although it was a bit forced. Let me help you find her. I think I already have, Bruce told her. But she'll need a psyche eval before I put her in the suit. Harley nodded, a much more genuine expression overtaking her features now. Put me in, coach. Pam sent the kids to bed as soon as they got home, knowing both had homework to do. They went without much protest as Harley had made it clear their cooperation was one of her birthday wishes. Harley herself seemed to be in some sort of daze. A glazed over, wistful smile had been painted onto her face the entire ride home. Pam supposed 50 years old would be an important milestone for a full, human. A half a century of life was not insignificant. Besides that, Harley had been working with Bruce for a long time. Half her life, as a matter of fact. The job had fulfilled Harley, kept her grounded, kept her feeling, relevant. Pam realized it would be a significant change for her, but just as Harley had helped Pam through all of her changes, she was determined to return the favor. A vine reached out from the potted plant in the corner and helped Harley out of her jacket, hanging it up on the hook. At the same time, a vine from the kitchen window box put the tea kettle on the stove and readied the ingredients for hot chocolate. Did you enjoy your party? Pam asked, attempting to mask the hope in her voice. Harley blinked, clearing her eyes as she gave Pam her full attention. Yeah, yeah I did. Harley slipped her arms around Pam's waist. Did you take your pigment shot today? Nope, Pam said, proudly. What do you think? She held up her hand for Harley to examine. The tone was even, although its pale coloring made her look a bit too much like a doll for Pam's liking. There was no difference in tone between her and Harley's complexions now. Impressive. Most impressive. Harley smiled back, after affecting what Pam could now identify as Harley's Darth Vader impression. One marshmallow or two? Pam asked. The more the merrier, of course, Harley laughed, clapping excitedly when a vine delivered her a mug of hot cocoa stuffed to the brim with marshmallows. So is this my present, she asked after taking her first sip. No, Pam grinned, taking Harley's free hand and leading her into her office. She could tell Harley was about to make some smart-ass remark beginning with, ah, you shouldn't have, in reference to her desktop computer or the printer, so Pam proactively silenced her by placing a gentle finger on her lips. Turning away from the other woman, the redhead opened the closet behind her, revealing Harley's Batwoman outfit in a glass case, displayed the same way the others were in the Batcave. Harley looked surprised, and then confused. With her brow furrowed she asked, I don't get it. Pam, is that my suit? Well, not exactly. Pam admitted. It's actually just an incredibly expensive replica. The blonde turned to her. Why? For brooding, of course, 
Pam told her like it was obvious. In case you ever need to dramatically stand in front of some representation of your former self and question what you stand for. All heroes do it. I see it every day at the watchtower. Pam, that's, oh my god, Harley laughed. Pam, this is amazing. But how did you, I mean, this thing looks pretty much perfect. Where did you even find it? The internet, was Pam's answer. Overall, it's a truly frightening place, but after I got through all the fetish sites, I was able to find some rather dedicated fans of yours, and, anyway, I paid for it. That's what's important here. With a wide smile on her face, Harley turned back to face the costume, putting her hands on her hips as she did. They stood there, both silently examining it behind the glass for a moment before Harley spoke. I looked pretty good in that thing, huh? You did, Pam agreed. It's a shame we never got to, well you never got to, appreciate that. Harley lamented. Pam nodded slowly. Yes, a shame, certainly. No touching in costume, no kissing in costume, certainly no fucking in costume, Harley recounted their rules aloud, rocking back on her heels. Mm, Pam nodded once more, letting another silence descend between them. So, do you want to? Oh, God yes, Harley quickly pulled the case open. Chapter 30 Joe, Harleen whispered in the girl's ear as she slept cuddled close to her stuffed unicorn. Joe, it's time for school. No, mama. She moaned, her voice gravely with sleep, eyes still tightly shut. It's not time for school. Harley sighed, sitting down on the bed now. It is, and you need to get up. But I don't wanna. The girl argued, unmoving. I don't want to do a lot of things, but sometimes you just have to. Harley patted her on the shoulder. Those are the facts of life, kid. Go away, Joe grumbled. Harleen was about to remind her that if she left, Joe would go back to sleep again and they'd have to start this entire process over when her phone rang. Jesus, 645? And a number she didn't recognize. Yeah? She answered. Hello, a woman's voice said on the other end of the line. I'm looking for Dr. Harleen Quinzel. Well you got her. Harley stood up. She could hear Joe let out a contented celebratory sigh as she headed for the door. Pam was coming down the hallway, though, so Joe was in for a world of hurt. How can I help you? Harley asked the woman on the phone before rolling her eyes at her wife. What are you doing? She silently mouthed to Pam, gesturing to her shirt, a button-down she was wearing in the same style as she had in her cell, buttoned just twice below her bosom. What? Pam mouthed back. Your, Harley gave up, saying, one moment, into the phone before pressing it into her shoulder. Are all your shirts broken? What are you doing? She hissed. Pam looked confusedly at her before turning her gaze down to her shirt. Oh, I don't know. It's comfortable. And pants? Couldn't be bothered to put those on either? Harley questioned, referring to her panty-clad lower body. Pam looked down at herself once more and shrugged. It feels like I am wearing them. Harley sighed, moving forward with the phone still resting on her shoulder to button the other woman's shirt the rest of the way. You're lucky you're hot, she grumbled. Then, when she'd finished, can you finish waking Joe up?
Pam groaned, but pushed past her towards Joe's room anyway. Just remember she's 50% you. Harley called after her. When she disappeared into the bedroom, Harley turned and continued down the hall, putting the phone back on her ear. I'm so sorry. My wife was having a fashion emergency. That's perfectly all right, the woman said. And I wasn't aware you were married to a woman. Yeah, well, it's a lot like being married to a man, just it was illegal for a while, then Harley caught herself. I'm sorry, who is this? I'm Vicky Vale. From STLI Publishing House? I knew I should have saved that number. Right. Yes, of course. Hi, sorry, and sorry again, for apologizing too much, Harlene laughed nervously. Vicky chuckled too. You're fine. I'm just checking in on that contract we sent you last month. Fuck. You're still waiting on my pitch, aren't you? Harley said it like she was disappointed with herself. I, I am, yes. Harley could hear the woman smile through the phone. All right, Harley sighed, closing herself into her bedroom. I'm just going to level with you here, Vicky, I don't have one. And I also don't understand why you guys are even interested in my book, you're not exactly known for your works of academia. Don't you guys like true crime and self-help books? Well, yes. Vicky admitted. But see, you're an interesting case on your own, Dr. Quinzel. Former collegiate athlete turned one of the top psychiatrists in the country, worked for 15 years with Arkham Asylum's most dangerous patients. And? Harley prompted, knowing what would come next. Vicky gave a little laugh. And your work with Poison Ivy. Am I really that transparent? No, it's all right, Harley sat down on the bed. I'm just used to it at this point. And I understand, Poison Ivy is a fascinating case. And you're still her doctor, correct? Her treatment is ongoing? Vicky asked. Harley cleared her throat. That's a bit, complicated, but yeah. Regardless, I'm not sure it's a topic I feel comfortable writing about, especially seeing as she's still officially my patient. Well if you're worried about the legality of it, all it takes is a simple signature for her to allow you to speak on your sessions together. Vicky reminded her. Look, Ivy is, she's fragile. Harley said, not sure how else she could explain it. And she's a very private person. I just don't see her going for it. Dr. Quinzel, Vicky began, her tone a bit more meaningful than before. When people hear your name, they think of Poison Ivy. It was a major success, and that's what defines you now, for better or worse. People want to read about her, but they also want to read about this magical woman who somehow got one of the world's most infamous eco-terrorists to suddenly start fighting the good fight. God damn it. So what are you saying? She could hear Vicky's chair creak. I'm saying you don't need a pitch because I just pitched you. No, don't worry, honey, she'd said. I'll water them. You just relax. You idiot, Harley. She had volunteered hoping that her helpfulness would put Pam in an amicable mood. One that allowed for some discussion. See, Harley had made a mistake. Not a huge one, exactly, well, okay, maybe a huge one. A significant one, at least. Or it felt significant. 
The issue was that the decision didn't exactly belong to her, yet she'd still made it. Perhaps if circumstances had been different, if her life hadn't worked out so well, or so uniquely, perhaps then she would have had more say in this. Harleen felt bad about it. Terrible, even. She didn't enjoy feeling like a villain, believe it or not. Actually, it was pretty shitty. But, she'd gotten excited. She'd been given an opportunity and she'd taken it. In the moment, she knew it was a mistake, but she also hoped that, maybe, just maybe, Pam would understand, eventually. Uh, hey, Red? Harleen called out over the sound of the running hose to where Pam was sunbathing on the back deck. She didn't answer, which likely meant she either couldn't hear her or had fallen asleep, so Harley cleared her throat and tried again. Pamelam? Babe? Sweetie? Sweetheart? Pumpkin pie? Bitch, wake up! Harley yelled. Pam slowly raised the brim of her sun hat and pulled her sunglasses down to the tip of her nose. Is there something I can help you with? No, but maybe you could help yourself. Harley was exasperated at this point. Sweaty, overheating, she hated gardening, except for when it was a euphemism, which in this case it wasn't. You have way too many plants. This is insane. I've literally been watering for an hour straight. You're a hoarder is what you are, Pamela Isley. The redhead was either uninterested or unimpressed, Harley couldn't tell which, because she pushed her glasses back up onto the bridge of her nose and laid her head back once more. They are my children, Harleen. You can't hoard children. Oh, you most certainly can. Harley challenged. Just look at Bruce. There's a reason we stopped at two. Pam sighed. Would you like me to take over? No, the blonde huffed. I started it, I'm gonna finish it. Will you continue to complain as you do? Pam inquired, her tone nonchalant. My brave martyr, so selfless. My knight in shining armor, come to deliver me, a poor, helpless maiden, from the... Her sentence ended with a scream when Harley turned the hose on her. The blonde was doubled over with laughter at the look of complete fury on her wife's face. But soon after, a grunt of pain came from Pam and Harley looked up immediately to find the redhead squeezing her arms between her legs, her jaw clenched, her sunglasses clattering to the ground for how quickly she'd sat at attention. Fuck, Harley groaned, dropping the hose and grabbing onto the slats of the fence, yanking herself up, over the railing and onto the porch. Hey, 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 hey. Harley knelt down in front of the other woman, placing her hands gently on her knees. Pam's eyes were screwed shut. I hate being so angry, she mumbled, her pronunciation poor as her jaw remained clenched. Oh, no you don't, Harley chuckled, peppering kisses up the other woman's legs, lingering in the places where the vines bulged and pulsed beneath her skin. You hate that you can't just be angry. That it's this every time now. Pam grumbled something incoherent, and when she opened her eyes, her pupils consisted of only the faintest outlines of black, her scara taken over completely by the green that should have belonged solely to her irises. Yeah, that will never not be creepy. Harley smiled as warmly as she could manage and kissed her on the cheek. You gotta separate the physical from the emotional, babe. I know it's a thought process thing now, but every time I get pissed I don't reach my arm out and punch somebody. This, 
She tapped her fingers gently on the vines in Pam's arms. Can't be autonomic. But blah blah blah, you already know all that shit, Harley mocked herself. You wanna play golf today? What? Pam's eyes were beginning to fade back to normal. Golf? Why? Well, we're old. Harley answered, simply, moving to sit at the foot of Pam's lounge chair. Fun, pleasant small talk. She hoped that would do the trick. And retired. That's what old retired people do, right? They golf? Or garden? I already did. Harley grinned, wiping at some of the water that had splashed onto Pam's chest. The redhead rolled her eyes and released her arms, getting up and walking down the steps towards the hose Harley had abandoned. Ugh, you're no fun. Harley pouted, haughtily crossing her arms. This needs to get finished one way or another, Pam told her. Oh my god, Harley laughed after watching her for a moment, seeing an opening. I just realized something. Congratulations. Pam offered. Harley took a big gulp from Pam's water glass and jumped back down off the porch. We were, like, crazy busy people. Yes. Pam agreed, unsure where this was going. And now we're, just, we're not anymore, really. I mean, you still work, but we just went from four jobs between us to one. You are correct. Pam splashed a bit of water on Harley's leg in what the blonde perceived as a purposeful offense. Harley grinned and grabbed the other woman around the waist, lifting her off of her feet. Harleen. Put me down. The blonde was giggling. We're gonna get so sick of each other. She hugged her close, like a giant teddy bear Joe might beg them to buy her from Costco. Plants prefer to be rooted, Harley. Pam complained, kicking until her wife returned her to her feet. I'm so excited. Harley clapped before giving her a quick kiss on the cheek. We're gonna be old and bickery and it's gonna be awesome. Pam finally allowed herself to laugh. You're so strange. Oh yeah. Harley agreed, nodding ardently. And you get to deal with all of this jazz 24-7. Lucky me, Pam smirked. She then turned the hose on the other woman without further warning. Hey. No, stop. Harley was laughing, her hands up in hopes of defending herself against the spray. That's not fair. Yeah, well, life isn't fair. Pam shrugged, attempting to maintain an austere expression even if she was failing miserably. Okay, you have to promise not to get mad, Harley warned. But before Pam could answer, the blonde was tackling her to the ground like Joe would in a flag football game. Ow. Pam complained. Bullshit, Harley laughed, straddling her waist and leaning over to pin her studded arms above her head. With all the crazy stuff that rips out of your skin, you think I'm really gonna believe that hurt? Pam rolled her eyes. You know I could get you off of me in a heartbeat, right? I do. Harley bent down and ghosted her lips across the other woman's. But I don't think you will. You're getting me all wet, Pam complained, avoiding her wife's assertion, as it was clearly true. Harley giggled. You bet I am. She added an overzealous wink for good measure. I picked out a favorite flower today. Oh. Pam raised a curious eyebrow. Emicham, 
Harley nodded. It's really pretty. Is it the blue bell tunicate? Pam asked, noticeable excitement in her voice. I just got it in from, wait a minute, she squinted up at the woman on top of her. You're going to say it's me, aren't you? Harley bit her lip guiltily. Maybe. Pam sighed. This is why Selena hates us, you know. Harley scoffed. Selena's just jealous. She told me she had a big ol', fat crush on you, you know. The redhead's previously critical expression soon morphed into a smile that wasn't even attempting to be sly. I knew it. She said. What? Harley laughed. Ha! Huh. Pam exclaimed. I fucking knew it. Um, you know what's not a great thing to do when your wife is on top of you? Harley asked, facetiously, climbing off to come lay beside Pam in the grass. Celebrate your hot friend being into you. Pam just chuckled, looking up at the clouds with that shit-eating grin still plastered on her face. Sorry, the confession has just been a long time coming. There was a lull in their conversation as Harley too turned her gaze upward. Hey. She ventured, after a moment. Who do you think has aged better? Me or Selena? Well, as I'm administering you both identical doses of serum on the same treatment schedule, as well as supplying you with the same skin care regimen, I sincerely hope you've aged at the same rate. Pam answered, truthfully. Harley was affronted, turning onto her side and propping her head up on her elbow to get a better angle on the redhead. That could not have been an easier question. I literally just handed you some wife points on a silver platter, and you pissed on them. I did what? Now it was Pam's turn to be offended. Come on, Pam. Harley complained. That's marriage 101. If your wife asks if she's the hottest chick in the room, you tell her she's the hottest chick in the room. Pam sighed, turning to face her with an overly patient expression. You are superior to Selena in every regard, Daffodil. Ah, you're just saying that, Harley giggled, bashfully, playfully punching the other woman in the shoulder. Pam rolled her eyes. You're very lucky, I love you. I know, Harley grinned, moving forward to kiss her. But seriously, Pamelam, what the heck are we gonna do with ourselves? We can't just garden and have sex all the time. It's repetitive. She tried to press the point casually. It had come up somewhat naturally, after all. Well what about that book? Pam reminded her. You never told me if the deal with the publisher went through. Oh, thank God. I don't have a pitch, the blonde lied. Turns out publishers don't pay you advances just because you're a doctor. You don't say, Pam mocked, before receiving another punch in the arm. She chuckled. You need to write something academic, a unique avenue of psychology with your voice. Use it as an opportunity to educate the public. MMM. Harley furrowed her brow, pretending to think. And on what subject do you feel the public needs to be educated on? Pam shrugged. Your specialty is in abnormal psychology, right? How about you write something thoughtful on the subject? Something that does more than just label us psycho killers. Huh, well, I'd need a specific example of a case I worked on. Insight into a truly abnormal psychology, the blonde slowly walked her fingers over the grass between them, inching them up Ivy's green arms, 
along the patterns etched into her skin. One that I know, intimately. No, Ivy said, firmly, pushing her hand away. Damn it. You whiffed it, Harl. Oh, come on. Harley pleaded. Psycho killers and the women that love them too much, she pitched the title, humor in her voice. Pam evidently wasn't in the joking mood anymore, though. No, Harleen. Absolutely not. Pam sat up. I will not have you exploit my mental illness to remedy your boredom. You're the one that suggested it. Harley argued, so grateful that was at least somewhat accurate, as it gave her a leg to stand on, sitting up now too. I suggested you write a book, not a book on me. Red, Harley moved onto her knees, an excitement in her eyes as she took Pam's hands. This could be good for us. Give us both something to do. I could play therapist again, just like old times. Why would you want to go back there, Harleen? Pam questioned. Why would you want to go backwards? We finally made it somewhere. We're happy, we're out of the woods. Oh, stop. Harley had to resist the urge to roll her eyes. We always happen to find ourselves new woods, Pam. It's just our nature. Ignore the pun, Harley. Ignore the pun. We could get through it again. I'd help you. No. Pam shouted. I'm done asking for help. I'm done being angry, Harleen, she got up from her place on the grass, standing over Harley now. I want this to stop being so complicated. I'm done with you having to walk on eggshells around me. It makes me feel absolutely disgusting, like I'm your abuser or something. I'm maybe the happiest I've ever been in my life, and even now I can barely control my temper. Pam. Harley sighed, pulling herself to her feet as well. I'm not afraid of you. I never have been. I know you're not going to hurt me. Well good for you, the redhead let out a humorless laugh. Because I don't. I can't know that for sure. And yet you sit there, asking that I allow myself to be dragged back into that shit? That's what you want to do with the time we have left? Take a fucking time machine to back before I knew I could be an asshole? Yeah, she was not in the right mood for this. Miscalculated that one, Harls. Honey, no. Harley reached out to take her hands again, but Pam ripped hers backwards preemptively. Don't honey me. Pam spat. Okay, fine. Harley huffed. Look, just, fine. If you don't want to participate in new sessions, that, fine. But could I at least use what I know already? W. Pam seemed to be at a momentary loss for words. Whatever happened to doctor-patient confidentiality? Those rights can be waived, if the patient so chooses, Harley informed her, careful to keep her tone even. See, Pam was sometimes so worried she wouldn't be able to control her temper that she rarely allowed herself to get angry at all anymore, swallowing all her rage down even when it was warranted. It wasn't exactly helpful, therapeutically speaking, but it did aid Harley in situations like this. Yeah, she felt a little guilty, but she also didn't want to die, so. Pam's eyes were screwed shut once more, her hands clenching and unclenching in a rhythm that Harley knew was meant to lull her back off the ledge. No, she gritted. Harley sighed, wishing very much that she hadn't signed that contract already.
What had she said about big life decisions, again? Yikes, six years seemed like such a long time ago. She sort of regretted being such a bitch to Pam back then, now that she was faced with a similar backlash. Just think about it, okay? Harley offered, her voice soft, kind. Your answer doesn't have to be yes, but it would be, eventually. But, hey, I don't think the public getting to know the real you would be such a bad thing. Maybe they'll start to understand your early career choice. Pam's eyes shot open, blazing green once more, tears falling from them down her cheeks. Harley knew this wasn't a response to hurt or sadness so much as a physical response to pain. It took a lot out of her to control her mutated reactions. And, Harley felt like shit. She was expected to, but not to this degree. Is this why you don't marry your patients? Fuck. Harley was honestly surprised Ivy hadn't stormed off yet. To her, that meant she didn't want to go. She needed something from Harley, some reassurance. Finally making a decision, Harley cleared her throat. Come here, Pam. The meta-human just shook her head angrily. Harley sighed and decided to move towards her instead, holding her hands out ahead of her so Pam could see her coming well in advance. Pam's head shaking became subtler as the blonde approached, until Harley was gently ghosting her fingers down Pam's arms, watching her eyes to determine when it would be okay to make her next move. Eventually, the redhead seemed to calm down and Harley felt comfortable wrapping her into a tight hug. Placing a kiss in her hair, she whispered, All I want is for you to think about it. That's all I'm asking. Pam nodded against her, and Harley blessed her lucky stars she hadn't procured the ability to read minds during her recent mutation. Pamela hated it when she looked at her like that, her eyes wide, nervous, like a deer caught in the headlights, or caught by a hunter, more accurately. Harlene was chewing on her bottom lip in the leather armchair by the fireplace. It was late, the clock having struck midnight some time ago, Harley had, impressively, maintained her silence, allowing Pam to just watch her. Take her in. After a while, Pam tapped the tip of her pen on her notepad and stood up, looking away from Harley's alluring blue eyes and getting back to the task at hand. This was the least she could do for her, really. For all that Harley had given her, was this really such significant kindness? Pamela's mind for Harleen's unconditional love. A fair trade, yes? Pamela liked feeling fulfilled, having a support system of people she could trust around her. Going to bed every night with the woman she loved snuggled against her, she didn't want to give that up. She, she needed it, at this point. It was as pertinent as water or sunlight, it was the fuel that allowed her to thrive in this environment. After a week of consideration, a week full of anger and denial and what felt almost like betrayal, she decided this was all trivial. She was part of a family now, and to succeed, families had to function like ecosystems, each entity aiding one another to common and individual goals. This was Harleen's goal. She wanted to write a book, she wanted to help people, just as she always did. The night before, as they'd watched their children load their dinner plates into the dishwasher, Harleen had told her that, if Pam would allow it, she would write an entire section just on Pamela's childhood. She told her she would speak directly to the parents of gifted children. Children like Pamela, ones whose passion and curiosity made them difficult to handle sometimes. The ones labeled with their behavior problems just because they were too intelligent for their own benefit. 
Pamela liked the idea of helping to spare children like her from a childhood like the one she'd experienced. It felt good, noble and important and relevant and so. Pam cleared her throat, reading from the notebook in her hands. You will give each chapter to me immediately after finishing it so I can look it over. I reserve the right to edit and censor as I see fit. All right, Harley was nodding. That's reasonable. And Woodrue, about Woodrue, I don't want that in the book. What he did. I don't want people to know. Although Pam was trying to come off firm, she knew her voice was shaking. Pam. Harley sighed. So much of your psychology can be traced back to that situation. It was a major moment for you. It was when Poison Ivy was born. You can talk about the experiments, Pam muttered. But not about the rape. That's not yours to share. I, Harley began to protest, but stopped after Pam glared at her harshly. Okay, you're right. She acquiesced. It's not mine to share and it's not my place to pressure you. Pam began to pace back and forth across the wool rug, her toes digging in whenever they could, I'm having a hard time trusting you, she admitted, finally. When Harley looked up at her in surprise, Pam pressed on, worried she would lose her edge for some reason. She was finding it increasingly difficult to say no to her wife these days. I told you about him, about what he said, when we were in the hospital after Joker. Yeah, I remember. Harley helped her out. I'd never told anyone before. Not anyone. Pam reiterated. I mean, I'm sure those who saw the police report understood what happened, but I, I told you, and you said I could trust you, lean on you, and then you didn't use it to help me, you used it to hurt. And then again, just a few months ago. So, you'll excuse me if this subject is a difficult one to broach with you. The blonde rubbed her eyes, fighting the sleep that threatened to overtake her. Pam could tell she wanted to be present, but it was late. Red, she exhaled. Look, I know I don't exactly have the best track record on this, but I promise I don't like hurting you any more than you like hurting me. I'll stay away from it, alright? Now let's, can we go to bed? They were both tired. Pam would have honestly rather just gone to sleep, but Harleen initiated, so, it was careful and gentle and a bit awkward, if Pam was being honest. After almost a quarter of a century together, it shouldn't have really been awkward anymore. That part of their lives was still healthy and frequent, but on this night it was uncomfortable. Harley was trying too hard to give, and yet she was timid, checking with Pam every step of the way, which was something she typically welcomed, but it was too measured this time. Around. And Harley didn't allow herself any attention, either. She felt guilty about something, Pam could tell. Afterwards, Pam let Harley be the big spoon, the blonde strong arms wrapping around her middle, Pam liked that. It felt safe and nice, and she thought back to their earlier conversation. How could she not trust this woman? Everyone makes mistakes, she'd apologized, this time would be different. Pam smiled then, happy to have found someone who loved her for everything that she was. Who challenged her to be better every day? Who had her best interests in mind? I love you, Harleen. Pam whispered. To no one in particular, really, as she was fairly certain her wife was asleep. She just wanted the universe to know that it got something right, finally. But Harley was awake, because she nuzzled into her neck and whispered, I love you too, 